On this Sega Talk, we put on some sports tape and discuss the flagship video game for the Sonic Boom multimedia project. What were the project's origins? Why was it a Wii U exclusive? And we settled the debate once and for all. Which was worse, Rise of Lyric or Sonic 06? Let's do this. SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Sega Talk. I'm Barry. With me is George. Hello, everybody. On this episode, uh, we are going to be talking about a Sonic game, and it's fitting because a Sonic movie is on the way. Um, but this is not a Sonic movie game. This is not a main series Sonic game. This is a Sonic Boom game, and not just any Sonic Boom game. This is the one. Oh, this is the one. This is yeah. Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric for the Wii U. Wii U, um, man, oh man, what 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 can we say about this game? Well, we've got a lot to say about it, and so I mean, should I just kick it right off here, George? Are you ready to get boom boom with it? Yeah, I'm ready to get <laughs> jiggy boom with, with it. it. Yeah, <laughs> boomified, uh, boomified. All right, let's get boomered. Um, so Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric released on November 11th. 2014 in North America, and it was a Wii U exclusive developed by Big Red Button Entertainment and published by Sega. The game was one of two prequels for the Sonic Boom TV series, which debuted November 8th, 2014, on the Cartoon Network just three days before the game released. The other prequel, Sonic Boom Shattered Crystal, was developed by Sanzaru Games and released to Nintendo 3DS on the same day as the Wii U title. And that's a lot to take in. This was a entire multimedia franchise dropping within a month. Um, but we're going to keep things easy for us. This episode is dedicated almost exclusively to the Wii U game. We will talk about the 3DS games TV show and comics in future Sega Talks. Um, but still being the first Sonic Boom Sega Talk, uh, let's talk about our reactions to when this new branch was debuted but first if you support us on patreon at select tiers you get to tell us what to cover and this pick was actually from patreon patron nicholas schaefer so without further ado let's take a listen to what nicholas has to say about rise of lyric hey this is uh nicholas schaefer also known as backyard tardis or cybersonic 8472 online And this uh, episode is my Patreon pick with uh, uh, Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric. And I find this game to have a real fascinating history and even my own relationship to the game. Initially, when they did that initial teaser uh, of the Boom redesign, I was not happy about it. In fact, I was quite vocal about it. Go figure uh, a nerd salty on the internet. But uh, the marketing for this... (laughs) Uh, whole Boom franchise really caught me, and I was on board. 
uh, to the point that I bought a Wii U for oh, this wow. game. And wow. uh, I, I have to say, I was I was trying to tell myself that it couldn't it couldn't be bad, and was ignoring people. And I recall E3 Pro Jared was reviewing the game, and he was just trashing it. And poor Stephen Frost was standing behind him, and I could just see him just so nervous diving into his phone and I knew something was wrong and the reason why I wanted you guys to do this episode was because it fascinates me all what caused this uh, game to be the debacle it was and uh, all the promise that it had and really it's not so much that the Wii U couldn't have had a good Sonic Boom game but this game wasn't made for the Wii U and it wasn't Nintendo's fault for wanting Sonic, uh, but it was really Sega not taking into account what they should or shouldn't have done uh, when they when they signed that contract. And it's just to me one of those amazing what ifs because I think if it hadn't been done on the Wii U, we'd all be praising Sonic Boom. Anyways, look forward to what you guys dig up. Yeah, it's. Yeah, um, he kind of said it, yeah. it, right? Like, it's one of those games that, like, I think a lot of people had promises. And I know what he means, though, when you have that one game that you're really looking forward to. And then everyone's trashing mm-hmm. it. And you're like, it can't be this bad. Everyone's going, everyone's just, you know, hyperbolic, you know. And then you play it Absolutely. and you're 100% the wrong one. <laughs> Everyone was all right for uh, kicking the game, right? Well, you know, I'm, I'm holding my tongue because I have I have a lot to say. Mm. Um, I'm going to refresh our memories first here. So Sonic Boom, because there are so many pieces to the Boom puzzle. I've got the comic books in my hands here. I have Rise of Lyric. I accidentally grabbed All-Stars Racing Transformed instead of Sh- Shattered Crystal. So pretend I'm holding Shattered Crystal here. I have Fire and Ice in my hand. Wow. And I have the complete series set. So this, this is... In the entirety of the Boom franchise. And on top of that, there were... Um, it, the timeline, it, it's it's so complicated because there were things that were revealed well before we knew it was Sonic Boom. There were hints being dropped. There were... Actually, I'm really glad that I brought it up uh, in my Shattered Crystal review. I'm going to read it in a little bit. Um, basically, it's my recollection at the time, so it's, it's my account of Sonic Boom's rollout. Um... Now, something I'm going to veer off course here, as I always do. I did not put this in the notes, but I'm just going to pose a little question here, George. Do you remember um, when Sega Bits was starting up, the top brass at Sega of America would always kind of talk about how they wanted another Sonic Heroes? Do you remember that? There was an article. Yeah, there was always, like, for some reason, Sonic Heroes did really well, and the idea of Sonic's friends has always been a popular idea to come back to at mm-hmm. Sega of America. Mm-hmm. And there, there was always talks that they always wanted this, like, you know, multi-hero, uh, you know, giving Amy uh, tales, more diverse cast, I would assume. Because it's like, for the last, what, 15 years, I guess, it's been Sonic and Sonic as a werewolf or Sonic as a classic Sonic. <laughs> so never, like, its own thing. But yeah, I do remember. Well, there was a reason why we all applauded when Sonic Mania's trailer came out and it said Knuckles was playable. Like, Knuckles hasn't been playable in years. Um, and I think that really was something that Sega of America noticed. Uh, Sonic Heroes sold insanely well. 
I think it's no no doubt because it was the first multi-platform Sonic game, but also because it, it really had a ton of characters. And each character within Sonic fandom has its own fandom built up around it. Even Cream has people who are like, I don't really care about yeah. Sonic as a franchise, but I love Cream. And, you know, I'm not I'm not making fun of those people, but that's a, that's a niche. But you take, uh, man, how 12 characters, put them in a game, every single character that someone loves, they're going to be picking that game up. And so I think Sega noticed this. They really liked the idea of having every single uh, main series character, like, on the screen at once. And I honestly think that was the driving force for um, Sonic Boom as a brand. Now, the one thing that I never found, and, you know, I'm jumping ahead of myself, uh, but I have to admit it, I never found out why this kicked off. There was never someone saying, I'm the person that pitched to Sega that we should have X. It always is a little vague if it was Sega of America looking for their Sonic Heroes franchise or if it was Big Red Button having this idea and coming to Sega with it. There, it's not really clear. Um, man, if only Big Red Button did interviews, you know? If only, right? <laughs> it would have been If only, awesome. right? <laughs> yeah, well, Sonic Boom, so it was actually revealed on October 2nd, 2013 as a 52-episode, 11-minute TV series, and there was a lengthy press release that dropped, and you can see the characters here. We have um, the... Uh, silhouettes mm-hmm. like rock a rock face and their shadows on it and here's what we were told uh, at the beginning of the press release Sonic Boom is a character driven comedy that leaves a trail of robot wreckage in its smoldering wake the series centers on Sonic his best friend and sidekick Tails their never ending search for adventure and their battles with Sonic's arch nemesis Dr. Eggman rounding out this ensemble are fan favorites Knuckles and Amy Rose plus a rogues gallery of em- enemies some familiar to Sonic fans, and some brand new. So, basically, we knew about as much about Sonic Boom at that time as we do Sonic Prime right now. And, you know, just as with Sonic Prime, none of us are thinking Sonic Prime's going to be the new reboot of Sonic. It's just some TV show. And at the time, Sonic Boom was just some TV show. And, you know, I, that's my reaction to Sonic Boom's initial announcement, I was just like, oh, okay, like a Western-made TV show. This is no different from Sonic Underground, uh, even the Saturday morning show. But what was your first reaction to Sonic Boom's announcement when it was just a TV show? Yeah, I I didn't mind it having the TV show because we've always seen a TV show. The TV shows have always been kind of different, like Sonic X with uh, having a kid sidekick thing. Um, so that wasn't my issue. I think a lot of people's issue was how much they changed Knuckles as a design and there's just the silhouette. And I think I was one of those where I was like, I don't know what, why change the design? It's almost like they're making them even longer and different than Sonic Adventure. You know how Sonic Adventure was already doing taller characters. It it almost felt like this was kind of confirming. Um, I did like that they were adding, I guess, wrenches or little things to Tails. I think Tails is rarely really plain, so the idea of him having like goggles or anything like that right. makes sense with his character the most. Um, so I don't know what scarves kind of do with Sonic. I guess it was just for the visual flair. <laughs> but uh, but this is just the shadows. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's interesting. Well, exactly, it was just shadows, but we were looking at that and we're like, well, clearly Tails has goggles. I, uh, if I remember yeah. correctly, yeah, he's like holding something. 
Um, a wrench. Yeah, and then Knuckles, I'm looking at the image now myself. Like, clearly he's he's the odd one out. Like, he's obviously taller. And I think people were, like, saying, wow, he's got fingers. It kind of makes sense that they would bulk him up a bit so that they're all not the same size. Um, because, to be quite honest, like, Knuckles as a silhouette is not that memorable. Like, mm. you look at him and... I can't tell it's Knuckles, so I guess that's kind of what they were doing, was to add a little more to his physique. Um, But yeah, it it was really just a TV show at the time, and then you flash forward, and this was a big deal. We flash forward to February 6th, 2014, when an event was suddenly revealed to be happening later that day. Basically, Basically, people on social media were like, there's a Sonic Boom event happening in New York. And I was like, oh, when is it? It's today. And I was like, oh, well. Um, And they were showcasing... Right, right. And they were showcasing Sega's plan for Sonic that year. Um, And Sonic Boom appeared to be the main focus. And, um, I mean, you remember when Sega sent the invite to us for this event, right? Yeah, you you went to the event, didn't you? (laughs) No, no one did. No, you didn't go to this one? Which one did you go to? You went to a Sonic event in New York, right? I'm going to tell you, this event, this was an event that they invited, like, mommy bloggers to. Oh, this was an oof. event they invited, like, uh, you no, know, like... No, never mind. They didn't dads invite who us game. to this one? Did they? They did not invite us. And, okay, um, good. Uh, because I'm not, we're not a mommy blogger. No, no, no. But Tristan at TSSZ, he wrote, he raised a huge stink about this. And I'm, I'm glad he did, because I honestly think it was a huge BS move on Sega's part to completely leave fan sites out in the cold. And I know people say, well, this this event wasn't for you. You're not, you know, this was targeting people who have kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have kids, you know, like you could be a daddy uh, blogger sometimes. I mean, if you want um, to, it does not, it does not cost Sega anything to send an invite to us for this because they're not flying us out. They're not buying our hotel rooms. They're just giving us space within a room to enter and learn more about the thing. So, you know, I've been a bit grumpy the past few weeks, but you know, it's just like, invite us to these things, guys, come on. We're not, we, we, if you don't do that, we're going to be negative. (laughs) <laughs> so you so. were you were with Tristan in one like this is like when the villain and the hero finally one time agree on right. something right here. Right, right, Very right, rare. right. Absolutely. Um and so yeah, later that day Mommy Blogs broke the news and we learned a lot lot more about Sonic Boom including a TV series trailer, character designs and the reveal that a Sonic Boom video game was happening. And so let's take a look at that reveal picture here. Oh. So there you go. So basically, what's Amy looks drunk. And, uh... Hey. <laughs> hey. Um, um, Sonic looks like Sonic with scarves and, like, way longer legs. They obviously, mm-hmm. like, totally redesigned Knuckles with the whole sports tape thing. And they, everyone's having sports tapes. And look, well, just Knuckles and Sonic. And, uh... Tails, I, I, like I said, I don't mind Tails' change. It makes sense for him to have gadgets. Uh, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. were the changes for all the other characters. Like, I, I like the mo- the the best Amy to me is classic Amy. She has a way cooler design than all of these. So I would have yeah. been cool if they were just like the classic characters for the cartoon. I don't know what, mm-hmm. it, 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 like, if they had to have a change. You know what I mean? Because at this point, they wanted to have a change into like have two different Sonics to sell. Right. So, yeah. Right. Right, and and you're going to see how they got to this point, because there is a whole evolution of Sonic Boom. 
Um, this third image then, this is actually artwork for the game. So that initial artwork there, that is promotional artwork for the TV series. This is for the game. And you might say, well, Barry, it's the same designs and everything. But no, these, that those like renders that you're seeing, those are, that is a promotional piece made by the production company for the show. The mm. second one is actually from an artist who worked on the game. And so that kind of gives you a little idea that there were two creative teams actually working off of the same designs, but kind of presenting their own, I guess, Versus. style. Um, Tails, for example, he's got like a, Sonic, why, why don't we go over here? You know, he's got like a little character to him. Amy actually looks a little better there. She looks a little sultry, I guess. She looks like she's like the um, f- f- like uh, flirtier character or something. She does look a little flirty. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the the biggest question a lot of people had was, is this a reboot of Sonic as a whole? And people were freaking out. They were like, wow, Sonic's being rebooted. And there were news articles going out. I remember. Um, and true. even our own articles at the time were not sure. We said, uh, and I quote, whether or not this is a permanent and franchise-wide redesign of the character or something restricted to everything Sonic Boom related is currently unknown, but this is easily the most drastic official redesign of any sort that the franchise has seen to date. And I even recall emailing Sega for clarification, and I was told, Sonic Boom is a new branch of the Sonic universe and does not replace modern Sonic. Um, Do you remember this confusion at the time? And do you think it was a mistake for Sega not to put that out with the press release yeah yeah Knowing i mean how sonic fans freak out <laughs> yeah it, it was actually kind of crazy and i think it should have given us like uh a sense mm-hmm. that this wasn't all the way planned out or all the way thought out it almost felt like they just assumed everyone was gonna take like nobody was gonna care or that no one was gonna like freak out i guess they underestimated how crazy the sonic fan base is and i think they should have been way more straightforward with this saying this is a side media thing and i think they felt like people would just understand it by looking at the designs and stuff but i guess they didn't yeah they they really didn't you're absolutely right (laughs) yeah um and it kind of you know it's kind of telling because they invited mommy bloggers so i think uh sega were really thinking at the time this is not for the core fan base this is for a new subsect of fans that don't exist yet. And I think that was a big mistake on Sega's part because anything Sonic that goes out there, Sonic fans are going to consume. And I think it's very fitting that we're covering this now when the Sonic sequel movie is on the way because that movie knows that they are targeting the Sonic fan base. They're not targeting the new Sonic movie fan base or people who have never heard of Sonic before. It's very clear the giant number two poster with Robotnik behind them and Sonic and Tails like they know who they're targeting and you know it's kind of weird though if you think about it because like I feel like for a long time Sega of America wanted to like make a brand new idea like a brand new Sonic like for the western audience right that so they could have the two the two Sonics like we talked about but in the end of the mm-hmm. day, everyone just wanted nostalgia. Like, everything was moving more towards nostalgia. Like, people wanting more, like, oh, TMNT's back or whatever. People are, like, right now obsessed right. with the idea of, like, seeing something they saw before. And somehow Sega was, like, not on the same page. Like, at least in history. Because the classic Sonic coming back was a way bigger deal than Sonic Boom was. Like, they could have just went all the way back and had their Sonic 
by having classic and like even the promotional materials materials you're talking about for the Sonic movie too, they're all harping back mm-hmm. to the parents. They're trying to get the dads to be like, look, remember this game growing up, Sonic Two. Here's the poster, but mm-hmm. Sonic Two, yeah, exactly. And they want to bring the kids, and yeah. that should have been yeah. the success into it. Yeah, I think the movie's and doing you it right. see that. Yeah, and you see that time and time again with franchises where they're like, let's leave the uh, parents who are now in their 30s out in the cold and just appeal to kids by completely ignoring things that made the franchise great. And as a result, older fans turn away from it and in turn they don't tell their kids about it. Um, And then younger kids, might they might find out about it, but then what they do is they butt heads with older fans and it causes friction within the fandom. You saw that with Rise of the TMNT, um, which is basically Sonic Boomified Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah. I think the animation for the show is fantastic, but I think the show itself is, I'm sorry, but hot garbage. I hate that show. <laughs> um, Ghostbusters uh, 20, uh, 2016 is another one where it's just like, let's let's go to war with the fan base. Yeah, that was And let's weird. piss off older people. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, so diving back in here, um, you know, it, it really wasn't clear about it being a new branch, a total reboot. Um, and despite there being a trailer for the TV series, this was really our first look at anything Sonic Boom related. So I think it's definitely worth watching. So if you want to throw this... Um, sure. It, we don't have to watch the whole thing, but it's a TV series trailer. It's about two and a half minutes long. Okay, I see Wow. I always like the desert. It reminds me of Pench Desert. You can't move me! Yeah. You know my name is Dr. Eggman. You do that on purpose. Do what, Egghead? <laughs> it's really well animated, I won't lie. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. And I don't even actually hate the TV show. It all really ends up, here, old friend. Prepare to be destroyed by Burnpot. <laughs> So what, he's gonna burn me with flamethrowers or something? A flamethrower? No, no. Oh, uh, acid? Incendiary grenades? No, 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 the claws, yes, claws, very painful claws. Well, you should have called him Clawbot or Delacerator or Pinchatron 9000, but Burnbot? I mean, that's just false advertising. I name the robot Sonic Burnbot. Outside of the redesigns, though, this could be modern Sonic. There's That's nothing I, here. I feel like it's just the merch, you know, and separating it as an American thing. Probably some Sonic Team thing they did. We'll soon learn. Okay. Because that's what I would assume. <laughs> like, Sonic Team's so weird with everything. Has uh, Sticks still, like, stayed in the Sonic, at least, uh, comic universe? No, Styx is no more. So, not a character anymore. She, the last really real appearance for her was one of the Olympic games. You think it's going to be one of those... Which was a surprise. So you think it's one of those characters like Queen of Dynamite or whatever? I think so. She reminded me of Skies of Arcadia. We can pause this. There's not too much more to it. Tails dies, and that's about oh, it. Oh, no, not Tails. My favorite character. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, she, uh, um, so spoiler, uh, honestly, he doesn't die. I, he doesn't. Um, I always thought that was actually a really strong debut. I didn't really see anyone complaining. I thought they said, "Wow, the TV show looks pretty cool," and it's not too much departure. Like, and as you said, I, I think a lot of us were thinking, "Well, it's just a, a redesign for the sake of making it look separate from modern Sonic, so that they can sell these as two brands." I guess you know it's going to be all right. Um, and as February 6th went on, this is that same day we actually learned more and more about that video game they mentioned. So it was announced that L.A.-based developer Big Red Button Entertainment, which was a team made up of ex-Naughty Dog staffers, were announced as being behind the game. And it was noted that the game would be exclusive to Wii U and the 3DS. And what is really wild is that it was actually discovered that the game was showcased nearly a year prior in March 2013 in a CryEngine 3 demo video from the developer that was publicly on YouTube all that time. No one knew that they were looking at a new Sonic game nearly two years before release and a year before the announcement. Let's take a quick peek at that uh, demo video. Yeah, it's super short. All right. Sonic Frontiers, right? It kind of does remind you, doesn't it? Like the idea behind it, the... Real-time uh, uh, lighting and stuff that I don't think was in the, in the actual game. Nope. Yeah. Hmm. That looks pretty cool, that little halo ring. But yeah. Yeah, so watching that clip, would you have known that this was a Sonic game? No. Would you? I mean, it looks just like it, it could be any franchise. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting, and but I would argue you look at the Sonic Frontiers trailers, and those are the same thing. They're just environmental shots. There's no rings. So mm. and people were joking. They would show them and say, "Oh, look, it's PSO two. You know, it's Fantasy Star Online two. So it does kind of look like Fantasy Star Online two, doesn't it? Right. So for as much as shade, for mu- as much shade as people throw at Sonic Boom, let's let's be honest here. Like it was not a bad debut. Uh, for the game, it was not a bad debut for the TV show in terms of just what we had seen at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, there were screenshots revealed. Let's take a look here. I actually, if you want to bring up the Segabits news article, this was actually, um, yeah, that's right. This was that same day. So they actually gave us quite a bit of information that day. Um, we have a gallery of photos here. Mm. You can just click through and show a few of them. There was concept art. Wow, uh, the knuckles punching the robot in the stomach—that's a nice one. Yeah, like the right. graphics aren't bad for this game. Well, I mean, obviously on pictures, I mean, ugh, the one where they're all running is so terrible—the ground. But mm. we're talking uh, Wii U here, obviously, right? Ooh, some of right. these are kind the of the one rough. of Sonic. This the one of Sonic running from behind, kind of off to the side. I think that one actually looks really nice. Yeah. Um. I think the expressions of Sonic in in the in in there, and again, you can see that this is the video game concept art. I did like uh, not this. the TV show. I did like the expression art because I feel like that's something that like uh, even even Sonic Team in the actual games could use to like the whole idea behind Sonic is supposed to be these like classic right characters from the olden times, and when you watch a Felix the Cat cartoon, they're very expressive with their face. So I always felt like that's like something they never really capitalized on in right. the the games, that's all. Yeah. Though I think Tyson and his storyboard work and character design work for the Sonic movies now 
are on par, if not exceeding this. Like, he's doing a great job with Sonic's expressions, too. Um, but yeah, that just that just gives you an idea of what we were looking at um, there. And then later that month, Sega actually dropped a very lengthy behind-the-scenes video. Uh, let's just watch a very little bit of it, because it's like nine minutes long or something. Yeah, it's, it's um, pretty long. Let me... Uh, let me... It is... I'll skip a little bit forward from the logos, but yeah. Oh, I see. They have like the cast that did the voicing, which is good that they used you yeah. know, the same cast. Absolutely, yeah. Behind the scenes, okay. We are launching a new franchise strategy for the Sonic brand. That will introduce <laughs> what? a fresh, updated look. They have a Japanese person talking? He's the chief content officer. This complete update of the brand will start with the brand's first ever CG Is he still at Sega? Television series Sonic I don't know. A video game releasing from developer Big Red Button for Wii U. Big Red Button was so like hyped at the time to being something big, right? And I guess... So hyped. Yeah. First for the brand, the TV series, video game, and toy will operate in hard okay. with one the, the clips here, very selective. <laughs> okay, see, this is what, absolutely right here when they're showing you the classic. They really make you think that this is like the evolution of the next one. Like when they start splicing stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. And I was hooked, and I just fell in love with it. And the graphics, like, the game was very. See, they're talking about the history of Sonic. It's like what? Eventually, go on to work at Naughty Dog. First Sonic game that I played was the original, Sonic the Hedgehog. My friend got a Genesis. You know, right away, you could tell that Sonic was different because he did this thing where if you stopped playing for too long, he would tap his everyone, foot. Let's keep this going. Yeah, everyone, fun. everyone, you know, I'm going to go forward a little more. Oh, Stephen Frost right here. I'm going to click on his thing. On Mm -hmm. One of my earliest memories of Sonic is probably the first time I saw it at a friend's house. And I entered the living room, the first thing I saw was the Sega Genesis, which was already amazing to me. And then he pulled out Sonic the Hedgehog, the original Sonic the Hedgehog, and he popped mm. that in. And from the very first title screen to jumping in the first level, I was blown away. Mm. So, see, so I'm going to go into the concept art. Detail of the character, and those little touches really add up to tell the See, story. See, I, I really do like the concept example, art, the more that, animated uh, the Sonic. That I thought is a good sport example oh. of showing how active the character <laughs> is. And how active? How fast he's got to move. You play the game and you see how active he is. You don't need sports tapes, man. All right, I'm sorry. It, I, can't, I can't take this. I can't. I can't take this, dude. Uh, I, I know, but I, I, I really, I ask everyone, you should check this video out. It is one of the rare instances where these people are actually talking about the making of it mm. um it's it's kind of interesting i think the really interesting thing is is that they keep um going back to sonic one sonic one like they're really treating this like this is a um you know you're coming at the ground floor here and it's going to be just as big as sonic one was um it's like <laughs> you know they never even had this much nostalgia push when they announced sonic adventure you know what i mean they didn't go Oh, it started in the Genesis, and now we evolved it. Right. It just happened, and right. it was a thing, and that's it. And the, the, for this, they're making it seem like Sonic 1 is where it all started, and this is like an evolution almost, it feels like, in promoting material at least. So it's like weird. Absolutely. And I, I omitted this from the notes. I don't know why. I think just because there was so much to talk about. But um, on October something or other, 
Um, there was, in 2014, there was Sonic Boom 2014 in New York City. That was on October 4th. And um, I attended it. Yeah. I lived in Philadelphia. Yeah, I lived in Philadelphia at the time. I was actually visiting my um, my wife's uh, aunt and uncle who only lived like 45 minutes away from where, where the event was going on. Mm-hmm. So I drove out there. I actually got parking like at Times Square for like 10 bucks. Wow. Which seems unbelievable. Yeah. Like you just show up to Times Square with your car and you're like, oh, there's a parking lot. How much is it? Oh, 10 bucks. Cool. So I was like in and out of New York in three hours. It was kind of wild. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a very interesting event. It was in a small ballroom. It had way too many people for the venue itself, um, you know, which has kind of been an ongoing theme for Sonic events. When we went inside, there was, from memory, there was... Um, uh, uh, I think it was Tracy Yardley doing artwork yes, cool. um, for fans. He actually had two art prints. I have them hanging on a wall behind me. Uh, maybe I'll put them up on our Twitter or something. And he was doing something else where he was drawing whatever fans wanted him to draw, Whoa. which was causing the line to take an insanely long time, which yeah. he should not have been doing at the event. He should have just been signing posters. I actually cut the line. I just said to each person... Are you in line for a drawing? Are you in line for a drawing? And I was like, let's make two lines. Let's make a line for... This is like totally me where I'm just like, let me take over this event for you guys and make it better. I said, let's do two lines. Let's do one line for drawings and one line for people who are just buying a poster. Because I am not standing in line for 45 minutes to give him 10 bucks and have him hand me a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and, and so I did that. And I feel like that's always the theme of me at Sega events is I'm like, I'm the adult who's actually thinking of how to make the event run better. <laughs> I'm like looking at how I could get in and out as soon as possible and not to deal with people. So if that works for me <laughs> in that situation, I'll, I'll go along. I'll go along. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so there was a, uh, a Sonic Boom themed Chevy driving around. Really? And if you were able to... Yeah, it was like an Uber, and if you were able to book it, you would get a signed art print of Sonic. Um, I stood in line with a number of fans. I got to go inside. I There were autograph sessions, so I got to meet um, Tomoya Otani, uh, Jun Suno, um, uh, Takashi Azuka, and there's a photo of me with him. I, did, I didn't put it in the notes, but you can see it on Segabits. Yeah. Um, I got to... Uh, have Ted Poley, I think, was there. Maybe I'm wrong. The hey, big guy, hey, little guy, you know, uh, Froggy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there was a, a there was a talk show hosted by Stephen Frost. It was very strange. They had a whole set set up, and he interviewed people from Tomy for the toys. He interviewed Takashi Azuka. Um, uh, Mike Pollock was like the announcer. Um, there was a live like script read, I think, for the show. So it was. All in all, it was a lot of fun. It was just a very strange event because I would, whenever I'd talk to people, I'd say, are you looking forward to Sonic Boom? And they'd be like, it seems kind of weird. I'm just here because I'm a Sonic fan. I'm not really into this show, but it's cool to see Crush 40. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Uh, what was the the attitude compared this to, like, um, the event and, you know, seeing all this stuff? Compare this to like the 25th anniversary party we went to. How was the difference between those two? So it was very different because at the 25th anniversary party, we were all getting like a general Sonic vibe from Sega. It was like classic, modern, a little bit of boom. It was just like there was something for everybody. And at the end of the event, we were like, wow, there's 
probably the last Sonic Boom game coming out. There's this amazing-looking classic game. There's this really epic-looking modern game. And I think everyone was really happy, whereas with this one, it's not that they were unhappy. It was just kind of like... It's kind of like if you went to a Spider-Man convention and they were they kept showing you Spidey and his amazing friends, which is like a kid's show that they have. Mm. And you're like, okay, that show looks all right, but I'm not really going to watch it. doesn't really target me. Like, I'm here for more like Tobey Maguire, but I'm not seeing him. You know, gotcha. it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the vibe of the event. But the, the big thing was I actually have, and I don't know, can you see the poster? Yeah. Is it in my frame? So I always have that Sonic Boom poster there, and signed on it is um, I have Big Red Button, I have Stephen Frost, Takashi Azuka, and I have um, Sanzaro Games, Matt Kramer. And that is, you know, like, I, I, I say this often, and that's the last time I think those four people were in a room together yeah. enjoying themselves, Stephen, <laughs> unfortunately. Stephen Frost did a tweet about the uh, TMNT collection, about he was, like, confirming mm-hmm. rollbacks. So I'm assuming he's working at Konami. He's working on that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is crazy, because Konami makes video games still. I didn't know that. Well, Stephen Frost works there, so I, I'm hoping they do make video games. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and so really, th- that's how Sega presented Sonic Boom to fans before release. Um, it was, I- I'd say, quite optimistic, actually, especially when people found out it was just a little spinoff. Um, you, know, you know, it seemed all right, but let's jump behind the scenes because things were not so rosy. Um, so what always confused me was which came first, the TV series or the game? Because the ga- TV series was really the thing being pushed as kind of the the main element of this multimedia franchise and hopefully i can answer that as we dig into development i actually have some new information that i've put in here so this is you know no one's talking about sonic boom anymore except for us i guess so um first at segabits maybe i don't know um so rise of lyric actually began as project apollo And in October 2011, it was planned to be a LAN-based online multiplayer party game featuring multiplayer gameplay and racing. The game would have focused on Sonic's origins, focusing on a young Sonic and Eggman, both of whom would be playable, and they were friends until a time travel project led to Eggman breaking the past and making them enemies. A group called the Ancients played a pivotal role and this concept would carry over to the final project uh, with the agents. Um, the working title for the game was, can you believe this, George? Sonic Origins. <laughs> What's there's so there's some obsession, right, with uh, doing the origin of Sonic. Even like the movies trying to like touch on that too. Mm-hmm. So interesting, yep. I guess. Yep. And ancients with the, yeah. the owls yeah. in the movie. It's yeah something. Um. What do you think about this concept? We don't know much about it, but would you would enjoy a game where it's like Sonic Zero, basically? What what it sounded to me a little bit, it's like it's trying to be an online multiplayer, like a party game, like Mario Party. But the idea would be that everyone's kid, children, babies, um, <laughs> which I, I actually don't mind because it's like it almost it almost reminds me of. Um, Super Mario Bros. Two with the the one with the Yoshi where you're you're actually playing Yoshi, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Mario's a baby and it's supposed to be how they met. It's like technically a prequel to Super Mario World if you think about it. So it, right. it's kind of like 
the Sonic version of it. I just hope that it doesn't take itself too seriously where it's like, oh, Sonic was actually born in this spot. It doesn't that doesn't matter. Them being babies and making like a Mario Party <laughs> game. I'm more into that idea because I think that you can make a really good party game that's multiplayer with Sonic characters. Um, so I'm not against that part, but the whole like trying to take it the origin series, uh, I'm good with that. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it's a very strange concept because, yeah, a Sonic party game, it's kind of like Sonic Shuffle, I guess, mm-hmm. but then it's a game that is showing Sonic's origins and how he met Eggman, and it's like the earliest we've ever seen the characters and it just seems such a strange concept to take something that really probably should be a main series title from Sonic Team and instead applying it to a third party uh, PC based multiplayer game <laughs> yeah that too I, I, it's it's very bizarre but what I think is interesting here is this is clearly something that did not come from Sega of America's desire for a Sonic Heroes sequel so I think Sonic Boom you know, in the Sonic Origins version of it, I think it was probably something pitched to Sega. I think the idea of Sonic and Eggman first meeting is something I think any, you know, develop up-and-coming developer would be like, this is something that Sega's never done. They're going to love this. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it just, it seems like something that I don't think Sega would be looking to a third party to do. If anything, I think it was in the reverse. Um now, visually, Sonic Origins was to appear organic and natural-looking with handmade textures and more cartoonish look. Um, the best I can guess is maybe, like, think Floygen Brothers or Looney Tunes Space Race, if you've played that, mm. where characters are much more elasticated, cartoony, you know, the way they move around. Um, there is concept art dated June 2012 that reveals what a young Eggman would have looked like, as well as giving an idea of the visual style. Let's take a look at that here. And I should note, the Sonic placed on here was placed on here probably in 2013 or 2014. Okay. This is this is not... The Sonic is not 2012 art. I think it's there to show the size that Sonic would be compared to the, the Eggman. But what, what do you think of these? Okay, so they have a totally a lot of different styles. Some of them are just like... I, this looks like a generic dude... That like almost like tails, you know, with the goggles and stuff, but like a human form. Um, I will right. say that like they're randomly trying to make him a furry, like right here with when he has the goggles on, he kind of looks like a raccoon. So they were trying to play around with the <laughs> idea that he was he had his own animal. I don't think I don't think it works. I think um, I think Eggman's a husky man, and he needs to be a hu- a chunk a chunk of lunkless. Like you you can't you can't be Eggman and not be a, an egg. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it's interesting, though, because you compare this to the first Sonic movie, and the Robotnik we had was Jim Carrey with hair, a tiny little mustache, and he was very thin. And it wasn't until the sequel that he got a little bit of a belly from eating a bunch of mushrooms of course, and really turned into, you know, Eggman. Oh, yeah. But I, so. I, I, I had my issues with that Eggman, you know what I mean? To me, it's not the classic Eggman, so... If I saw him as a kid, I would assume he um, didn't look like this for sure. I don't know what he would look like, but uh, do you you think he would look like any of these designs right here? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think maybe he would have had hair on his head and no mustache, but and maybe a little thinner, but that's about it. Um, But let's talk about Sonic. This will get really wild. So Sonic, meanwhile, 
He was also concepted with a wildly different work look, and it is worth noting um, that these drawings appear to be a mix of older and newer concept art. So, you know, like I said, anything with Sonic Boom characters on these were placed there later mm. in 2014. But, man, look at this. So let's look at uh, number uh, numbers 5 through 8 of the images. Wow. Okay, so they had a lot of different, like, looks. Um, mm-hmm. very, I don't know. It's like, like really, I don't, is this just concept art, right? This isn't like final art or anything. Cause like, this is concept art, but it does look very much like, like Western indie adventure games. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'd probably see these in a game on PSN debuted at like E3, you know, like one of those trailers you're like, all right, that looks all right. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it has a, and the. The actual hedgehog reminds me of the hedgehogs from like um, Animal Crossing. You know the guys that own the uh, sewing place, the sister and brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird because it's like not really Sonic, and then they have one with Sonic but with clothes on, and he's kind of like kind of reminds me of like a Looney Tunes character, but you know with the cargo shorts and the gray shirt. Um, I don't know. It's it, I. I Sonic is too iconic. Like that's the problem. They like the original design they did for the classic Sonic was so iconic that you can't make a like weird. I don't know. It just doesn't fit in my opinion. I think they already. It's at the level like of cool that's so cool that you can't go any right. cooler. Like it's like Spider Man, so iconic that like you could just change him up a bit and give him different suits. But in the end of the day, Spider Man has like a design philosophy. You know. Right. Well, there's that um, infamous video of that guy going, uh, he's like, Hello, Seeger. I'd like to talk to you about redesigning Sonic the Hedgehog, and I think I've figured it out. People don't actually like the design of Sonic. They like noodly legs and a big backpack, and they want him to use items. And it was just like, what are you talking about, dude? Who told you Sonic is all about the design. Well, the guy was uh, given so much shit that he actually pulled the video. Um, But, Uh. yeah, it's just, it's... It's just a sign that you can't I mean, you can't you can't perfect Sonic just like you can't perfect the Sega logo. Pretty it's much. It's just there's a reason why they work so well and I think Sega has learned and they what were they thinking with the original Sonic movie design? Exactly. Like that was Sonic Boom all over again. I don't know what they were thinking and clearly Sega was like, "What are you thinking? Change this now. This is not going to go out like this." And now movie Sonic like I think he looks great. It's yeah. not my favorite Sonic design, but if you were going to make a realistic-looking Sonic, that's the best you're going to do, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, Sonic Origins was actually intended to be a Jack and Daxter-style game, so already they started kind of changing their idea of a land-based Sonic game. Um, it was going to have 80% exploration and 20% speed, Takashi Azuka was serving as supervisor throughout the project, and he had a number of requirements for the game, which led to the development of a vertical slice demo that took nearly two years wow. to create. Um, this would showcase the requirements from Sega and the gimmicks and ideas brought up by Big Red Button. This game was play- planned to be a floor- four-player co-op adventure with Steam and possibly Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Store point, uh, ports to follow. By this stage, the game was known as Sonic Synergy. And there's this, I believe this is legit, it's like a leaked image from an event. You can see 
right here. It's uh, um, it kind of has the vibes of like the Sonic and Knuckles uh, silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, cool logo, actually. I mean, I, I don't hate it. Um, probably a little busy to shrink down, you know, as a designer. But I like the idea behind it. I think it's pretty cool. And the characters match their modern counterparts. Nothing here looks like Sonic Boom. No. Really. Now, the one thing is I can't tell if Tails has goggles on his forehead. That's always bothered me. Uh, I don't think he does. And you know some Sonic YouTuber is going to make like a 37-minute video on how the quills are way too long? <laughs> Look how long right. they are. I wonder whose forehead that is, though. You see that? There's some guy's like head in the way. Oh, yeah. Poor um, guy. Yeah. Should have kept his face. <laughs> so by this point, then, researching the game's development gets a bit hazy. A lot of concept art exists, but the exact timeline of when this art applies to which stage is really unknown. Um, my best guess is by this point... Sega and Sonic Team required the characters to appear more like their usual modern Mm. selves, possibly even being just like their Sonic Team video game counterparts. And I think the best equivalent to this would be Sonic Chronicles, where up until like this year, people were like, is this game canon or not? Because they're the modern characters, and it's been since said to be non-canon. Yeah. Um, Now, there is one... Sonic prototype I would always like to get my hands on and it is this vertical slice demo because nothing we've never seen it mm. you know we've got uh we've got the original you know like prototype Sonic 1 out there now but where is this vertical vertical slice demo and a common theme on this show I always bring this up how do people in the video game industry make money George because I don't understand how you can work for 2 years on this project is Sega paying them? Like, how does this work? I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, Yeah, I would assume Sega <laughs> hires you for proof of work stuff, you know? I'm hoping they do. It would be lame if you, like, work for two years hoping to have a game in the Sonic <laughs> universe, and then they're like, I actually, you're fired. We got a new artist in for the next game. That would be terrible. I just, it baffles me when, like, someone's like, like, with this, in this case, like, we've worked two years on a demo. Two years worth of work, that's a lot of money. Like, I wonder how big the team was. I wonder how much Sega was funding them. I wonder how much they were funding themselves. Like, Bob uh, of Big Red Button was, you know, putting into the company so they could become something big. Who knows? Uh, what about um, the, the demo they never did anything with? So let's say Sega did pay for this. Like, it would be sick if they ever did, like, a stream where they'll play through the demo publicly for the first time and, like, I don't know, do something for charity. You know, they do charity drive streams all oh the time. Oh, my God. I would tune in for I'd that. I'd throw money at them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, and actually, someone's seen this because in late 2012, Sega actually showed Sonic Synergy off to Nintendo. And eventually, Sega and Nintendo agreed on a three-game exclusivity deal. The deal was made public in May 2013, and the Wii U port came uh, to be in mid-2013. Due to hardware and control limitations, though, the four-player co-op was cut down to two Levels became more linear. Mechanics were simplified with on-screen prompts. And now it's really starting to become the sonic boom uh, we know. But let's take a look here. So this is kind of where the character designs were at at this point. Uh, what photos is Photos 10, 11, and 12. Uh, the one where, like, I don't know, man. It, this looks... <laughs> this is an actual concept art right here. The one where he's, like, charging forward. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, because it, it looks like I've seen you do better Sonic art than this. I don't want to be I don't want to <laughs> oh, be knocking thanks, really nice. knocking this professional man, but it kind of feels like that. And the first one looks like a fan art that someone posts on Twitter. Right. So here's the thing. So if you go to the twelfth image where it shows like the timeline, yeah, of the character designs, I honestly think these might be artist renderings. After the fact, kind of like when you go to Disney World and pick up a mug and it shows uh, Mickey Mouse from like the 1930s to today. And mm. they're clearly like new drawings, but done in the style of what they would have looked like. And it's interesting here because you're seeing that Sonic 1.0, they call him. That's kind of like those sketches we looked at earlier where he had the pants on. Um the big thing here is, though, that Sonic's uh, tan belly actually extended to his arms, but it was more like a real hedgehog when you see them yeah. belly side up and it like extends to their arms and legs. I, I think it's a little weird put into practice, but it's an interesting concept. And it's clear that they were trying to put the yellow or the, the, the tan arms there, but have it connected. The problem is, I think, is it. If you look at it a funny way, it makes Sonic look like he has really tiny, pencil-thin hands, tan yeah, arms. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know? 100%. Um, it's kind of strange. They did try to yeah. play... They always had the scarf, though. Like That's like a constant... The sports tape and scarf have been a constant thing. The first one, right. he has a more menacing look, and it almost looks like he got happier as the design started going. Like They wanted to make him like a... I don't know... Uh, I, what would you call that look? The first, the one point zero, like the uh, looks more like a. Well, it's almost. It's like menacing, I guess, or like I'm a troublemaker. He does look menacing. They um try to make him look, I think, realistic. Almost like it's almost like if the Sonic movie went another direction with their design because his mouth is centered. Um, as you can see, his the palms of his hands are actually shown. So Sonic has blue back hands and tan palms what do you um, what do you think about the jean shorts like they're like no pecker for this i one. don't like them yeah i don't like the shorts yeah. um and i actually don't mind the extra little quills that actually did carry over to the final designs i think it looks i think it looks better in the cartoon than in the game but i think it's a nice touch to kind of make him look a little more wild and what a the uh scarf I didn't put in the notes, but from what I remember, they did that as kind of a nod to games like Uncharted, you know, which I believe uh, Bob Rafai, Rafi or whatever, has a connection with because mm. of his work at um, Naughty Dog. How about and stuff? Scarves are lame. How about no? If you wear scarves, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. If, if, well, I mean, if you're somewhere cold, I mean, it is what it is. But I, Sonic is literally naked, I, so. <laughs> I don't know if maybe it was a choice because of the neck. Sonic doesn't have a neck, so they wanted to extend the head up a little bit, but wanted to hide, you know, the actual neck. Because when you take that scarf off, and you can kind of see it in the cartoon sometimes, mm -hmm. Sonic has a bit of a neck, which is kind of weird, you know? Uh, I, I don't see. Know. Um, outside yeah. of that, what do you think about them calling the, I guess what we call modern Sonic, legacy Sonic now? It makes sense because... Modern Sonic has been around longer than classic Sonic was. Mm -hmm. Modern Sonic is over 20 years old, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. He's like 25 years old now. So Hardly well, modern. So this would be Boom Sonic, Legacy Sonic, and then Classic Sonic, right? That would be the timeline? I guess, though. I feel like Classic is Legacy. I feel like 
Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, right? Because now, you, now you're like legacy. It's like <laughs> mm, I'm old because now we're in the next generation. But yeah. Right, yeah. right. And here now I'm going to drop some new tidbits on us. Um, I was talking publicly on our Twitter to Alan Denton, who was the TV series writer for the show or one of the many writers. Um, and I think after my conversation with him, I have a much better idea of how the TV series came about in relation to the game. So Alan told me that he began writing for the show in March 2013, but by this point he said there were eight scripts already completed in the first two minutes of what would become the intro to the first episode, The Sidekick, was also completed, and that was that trailer we just watched a little bit ago. Um, So it is likely that the TV series had been in development for some time before this, possibly late 2012, which would line up when Sega was pitching uh, to Nintendo um, and when Big Red Button's character designs were more closely matching the modern Sonic designs we know and love. So I would say... Looking at this list, Sonic 3A, Sonic 3B were probably where the designs were at by late 2012. And this is when they started doing their own work on the the cartoon series, which would have involved writing scripts, doing concept art for side characters, because Big Red Button really already did the work for Sonic and and Eggman and and their friends, you know. Um, Though I have to wonder, and I believe this is the case, that Styx was actually developed by the team behind the um, uh, TV sh- series yeah. and possibly Sanzaro Games. Okay. You know? Because, like, so, she, she's useless in right. this game. Like, <laughs> like, she is, yeah, she was, she was added to this game. Styx is not in Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric, whereas she is in uh, Shattered Crystal, and that's actually why, one of the reasons why I chose to have the... Because when, when we went to the uh, New York City event, or when I went, they gave us two posters, but they didn't delineate which one was which. I just thought they were two different posters. Um, but the Shattered Crystal one, which was behind me, has all five characters on it. Yeah. So but that, she, that's the different. Also, She was in Rise the game, Lyric, right? Like, as a NPC, right? In Rise of Lyric. Or am I wrong? She was in... Rise of Lyric as an NPC, okay. but she had very little to do. Yeah, true. Um, and she just kind of like is standing like by a doorway. Seems, you know. Has no whereas, attitude or anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, Alan also told me that Sonic Boom was a three-pronged approach, a game, a TV show, and toys. Now, the way he told me it, it almost seemed like it was that from the beginning. Um, I'm not saying Alan's wrong, but I think just when he came on the team, that were those were the marching orders. No one was saying, oh, this has been a game in development since 2011, and now we're doing a TV show and toys. I think really, at this point, Sega was like, all right, we've made the decision. Sonic Synergy is going to be a Nintendo exclusive, most likely. It is um, going to have a TV show, and it's going to have toys. And so at a certain point, you have to give the TV show as much creative control as they can because they're not going to be bothering the video game team, really. Yeah. You know? And so the, the TV show were pr- basically um, inherited the designs, the idea of the ancients, the, the setting, kind of like a basic setting. And that was really it. Um, Big Red Button, they became aware of the TV show around late 2012 um, probably they were probably told a TV show is being developed. I don't think development was happening, and they found out about it 
because that would be really kind of tacky on Sago's part. Um, the game uh, became a prequel to what would become the TV series. The TV series production company, Oedo Productions, were utilizing Big Red Button's designs, as I mentioned, but they made their own secondary characters. Uh, Oedo, however, did not use the game's enemy lyric, and Big Red Button did not use the fifth member of the Boom Crew, which is Styx, outside of being an NPC, as we talked about, um, because Big Red Button had for all this time been developing a game that was Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy since 2011. Mm. So that's why Styx is not in this game, because this has always been a four-player game, potentially on Xbox Live, all that. Um, Does this all make sense to you now? Like, it makes perfect sense to me. It does make sense (laughs) to me, but it it totally feels like... um, To me, it almost feels like when... as a consumer of it, that the timeline was all messed up. Like, they didn't have enough time, for sure, uh, to deliver all these, like, aspects of it. I think some aspects of the Sonic Boom production was a lot better than others ones. Like, right. obviously, the, the production by the, the the TV, they did the good job, in my opinion, right? Because we saw that trailer. Right. It got us hyped. It was, say what you want about the uh, designs, right? They got, they, got, they got you laughing. They got you uh, interested. Uh, but yeah, right, right. Production-wise, weird. Yeah, and so it it really it really seems like uh, the big red button initiative, which was uh, Project Apollo, Sonic Origins, uh, Sonic Synergy. Synergy, and then eventually Sonic Boom. It was at its heart a four-player, potentially online game. It was going to be a digital download, likely not a um, did physical release, as we saw was kind of the norm for Sega at the time with um, Sonic 4 Episodes 1 and 2. Like They were really into digital exclusives. Mm. Even outside of Sonic, there were a lot of um, digital releases from them. And then it, it I, I don't think uh, Big Red Button were done dirty. I think a competent development studio could roll with the changes and produce a good game. Um, but still, like, it's clear that they worked on this game that for two or three years was going to be this one thing, and then in the last year of production, they were told, it's not a four-player game, it's a two-player game, um, it is now a part of this multimedia franchise, you're gonna have to take cues from a TV show, and also we are changing the designs to become closer to what is modern Sonic, but still look different enough, so... You know, I think that's really what happened with the timeline of events for Sonic Boom. Um, and we're not talking about one one aspect here. So Sanzaru Games, meanwhile, they likely started work on Sonic Boom Shattered Crystal uh, probably in early 2013, I'm going to say, because I believe we learned about... Um, we learned about Sanzaru when let's see here let's see if i have actually if i actually had sanzaro even talked about um i'm gonna do some little uh research here real quick sanzaru when was the very first time we talked about sanzaro games on segabits man i guess in 2014 it doesn't seem like that's right but i guess yeah so sanzaro games they were probably the last uh piece of the multimedia puzzle to really work 
start their work, which was actually to their benefit because at this point they had a total idea of what the TV show was about. They knew what Big Red Button were up to. And so it really worked to their advantage. They took uh, visual and story cues from both the Wii U game and the TV show, um, which explains why the 3DS game Shattered Crystal has lyric. Uh, The tone was much more like the show. The setting was much more like the show, including in-game maps where you could actually visit characters' huts, like in the TV show. Uh, Styx was a playable character, whereas she was uh, shoehorned in as an NPC in Rise of Lyric. Amy was kidnapped in the game, and you're trying to save her. And in Sonic Boom Fire and Ice, which I have right here, you could play as all five characters. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so about eight months before the game's release, so this would be probably around the time that it was all debuted to us, um, Sega gave total control of the series, of the Sonic Boom series, to the TV show, which meant Big Red Button had to now follow the lead of uh, on characters, setting, and other elements from Studio Uido, or however you say it, um, Uido. And Big Red Button was forced to create a world that closely mimicked the TV series and included new cutscenes that matched the show's tone. Um, and that also includes adding NPCs that appeared in the TV show. Not just um, eight, uh, Sticks, but I think that Beaver was in it. Yeah, yeah. Among other characters. Um, so who do you think was at fault here? Do you blame Sega for suddenly making the TV series a priority? Or do you think Big Red Button was just being too prideful of being the original team behind what would become Boom? You know what? Uh, I think it's a little mix of both, you know? Like, uh, something about Sega's American producers, I feel like they weren't running a tight ship. And if you start looking on the history of this, it's supposed to be a downloadable like downloadable content, right? But they had two years to work on a demo, while Sonic Team literally has sometimes less than a year to work on their (laughs) full-fledged, like, Sonic title. It's like, what's going on here? And I understand they're trying to, like expand their uh, grip to America like maybe they thought that uh, they'll buy Big Red Button once they make a really big hit game so they're funding all these demos and ideas in my opinion I think Sega got got like well I mean I also read a lot about how like um, the Wii U wasn't made for Crytek Engine 3 or whatever and that was reason why it's so buggy so uh, it was made for PC and Xbox so Sega should have known that they shouldn't have signed these weird contracts in Japan. That was a big right. miss opportunity for them. I don't want to say it's all big red button, but in the end of the day, though, they should have known how to like develop on Wii U. And if they couldn't, they probably should have took a step back, maybe, and said, "Wait, I don't know. It's weird. You know what I mean? Because they had this whole media blitz going for this, and they didn't deliver. I think Sanzuro Games did a lot better with probably a smaller budget and little uh probably less time that's yeah that's my thoughts oh absolutely what is, what is your thoughts absolutely. do you blame them or nah um you know it's hard to say i i think they were developing a game that was very different and i think suddenly being told your game is now on wii u was difficult to adapt with because cry engine is not a wii u friendly um you know piece of uh development software 
Um, I think also changing, cutting the game down from four to two and cutting out elements. Uh, I, I honestly think the biggest thing that hurt the Sonic Boom brand from the onset was the Nintendo exclusivity deal. I think... I think in an in a perfect world, I do air quotes for Sonic Boom. This game would have come out to um, to retail on disc for PS3, uh, Xbox 360, and Wii U. And the Wii U version would lack four player control and be a little nerfed and be kind of shitty. <laughs> you know, I think that that's probably what would have happened. Um, I was, now, according to Sonic... I was going to uh-huh. say, I was looking for an article I did where I said that it's not a big deal that it's coming to Wii U, but that I was going to be like, obviously I was wrong in the long side. Like, at the time, I, I think I made an article, and basically my point was uh, there's already a built-in fan base of, of you know Nintendo at the time for the Wii U, and that if you make it for the PS4, there's zero people, because at the time the PS4 wasn't out yet totally wrong about right. that so yeah the wii u definitely <laughs> killed it uh the wii u somehow got less momentum as time went on which is kind of rare for nintendo because like even the 3ds right. when it came out there was not that big of a momentum but then it shifted and then everyone had a 3ds again and it was a big thing so i was totally wrong about the momentum on the wii u for sure well, you know, it wasn't easy for Big Red Button. There was actually an article from Sonic Paradise where they broke down some of the things that Sega were asking of them. Um, for gameplay, so aside from asking for more speed sections and less exploration, uh, they had Team Sonic's ability to swim removed so characters would just die by touching the water. Uh... Um, several designs for Team Sonic were discarded due to them being too far removed from their le- legacy designs. So they were made more similar to their counterparts. Uh, Several NPCs had to be radically changed uh, when they violated Sonic Team guidelines. So, for example, there's this character in the game called Cliff, uh, who was originally an inventor, but Azuka said, and this is this is Azuka being Azuka. He said, "Only only Tails and Eggman can be inventors." And it's like, (laughs) what? What part of your ass did you pull that that rule out of? It's like making Zuka. It's like having that friend in high school, you know, or I mean, in like uh, elementary school. That's like I made this universe, and you're like, but wouldn't it be cool if this character had this weapon? He's all sorry. Only one character uses guns in my universe, and he's like making it up as he goes along, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's such an Azuka thing to do. It's so silly. Um, the original story was actually discarded entirely because Sega themselves wanted to tell Sonic's origins someday themselves Mm. so really the only things that carried over from the very original sonic origins concept to sonic boom rise of lyric was a time travel element and the ancients um and of course due to the shift to wii u the four player was had other elements removed there was a water skiing segment that was removed um as well as the possible addition of chow a ring banking system, gamepad exclusive gimmicks, and a segment on Tails' airplane. And I can attest, I was playing the game um, uh, last week, and it you can only play it in um, in this mode. What, what's that uh, called? Handheld, like in, I guess, or pad mode. You need to, yeah. You can't, you can't like connect a controller. From what I was seeing, it was so annoying. Let me see the back if it had. Well, you can use. 
It says you can... Oh, no, you can't. No. So, yeah, you need to use the gamepad because multiplayer mode will let you use the Wiimote with the nunchuck, mm -hmm. but you cannot use the Wiimote with nunchuck outside of that. And it's so annoying because there are no gamepad gimmicks. The game doesn't have any touchscreen no. gamepad gimmicks at all. No, it's And useless. yet it requires it unless you have probably the pro pad, which I didn't have. But uh, what do you think... Um, is this the game where like there's a section where Tails is supposed to like fly somewhere and then just cuts to Tails already being there? I think that's probably what they're talking. Yeah, yeah okay, that's the one. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. It's so obviously yep. obvious when you play the game. It's like I'm gonna go get some, and then he's like, "Wow, I almost got killed!" And it's like, "What, what are you talking about? You literally just cut from one scene to that <laughs> scene. What's going on here?" Yeah. Well, speaking of the Chow, then, there is some concept art. I think my numbering's a little off in the notes, so you're going to see, like, two number 13s. Uh-oh, um, uh-oh. Okay, I see it. You put something in between. But, but it's yeah. interesting because that, that other number 13 is a really weird piece of concept art of the characters as we know them, but they look like... I don't know, like... Like an art like scene? Floating, noodly. Yeah. It's like when you die <laughs> and, and you see this, when you die, like the spirits of the characters coming, their, leaving their body. Right. But looking at those Chow then, they look a lot more like Neopets or something. You know what I mean? Like early 2000s. like Yeah, generic. Web 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they look like... Like you'd find them in little like five dollar capsules at Target or something like blind. And bag they're like toys. they look more like um, dinosaurs or like sea creatures. Yeah. yeah, weird. Very weird. And these again, these were 2012, so this is around the time, if not before, actually that Robotnik, uh, skinny Eggman drawing was done. So this is when they were at that stage when they were going so far off course with uh, concept art that it was like. The blue. You couldn't even see Sonic if you squinted. Now that other one where they're blue, yeah. I can see the Chow there with the little, little thing. But it looks like it's from um, Ori, the Blind Forest game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, now I have no idea if these would function as like AI characters or or how they would work within the game. I don't think they've ever revealed that. Um, can we like we were talking about I was, I was uh -huh. gonna say can we be honest though this is kind of like a disgrace to the original develop I mean the original look of the chows like to me like they perfected it how cute and how like marketable they are in the original Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 like there's something about them that still looks good to these days and unique so I don't know why you would have to change it I don't know what's your opinion on that yeah, I agree. I think they're way too far off. And again, like just like with the Sonic discussion we had, like Sonic is a pretty perfect design. I don't know why you think you can improve upon it because you can't really can't. And for here, like until you put that little thing on the top of their head and have that little like little, uh, uh, have their head look like a raindrop, yeah. it doesn't look like a chow. So I don't I don't know what they were thinking. Um, I wanted to talk about CryEngine three though. Mm. So during development big red buttons use of cryengine 3 was actually very well known of course it was our first look at the game when that tech demo released um but this is when the game was planned for steam xbla and ps store uh now as a wii u exclusive big red button had to port the game to a console that by all accounts shouldn't be able to run cryengine 3 well but sega and this is hilarious they spun this as an achievement they were stating in interviews at the time that this game runs beautifully 
and producer Stephen Frost stated, You associate CryEngine with lush, tropical, beachy things. These are also things which Sonic is associated, so they work well together. And Sega had said they worked directly with the Crytek team to make this happen and eventually decided on uh, <laughs> settling with the engine for their game. Yeah. Do you call BS on this? Yeah. Because yeah. 100%. Um, I think they did a bunch of work before this on another console, and they're like, we don't want to switch to another engine and redo everything. Right. Yeah. Right. This, so, yeah, I, I mean, as we know, this game was built on CryEngine because it does look really beautiful, but Wii U cannot work well with CryEngine, and so they had, they Sega probably went to the Crytek team themselves you know, like pleading, they're like, please help us make this work because we've done so much, had so much money poured into this. If we have to change engines now, it's going to doom our multimedia project. And Cry Team was like, look, dudes, like this is not really going to work all that well, but we can get it functional. And they're like, whatever, we'll just spin it like this is us making an achievement. I think it's absolute BS that Sega were out there saying, um, that they they decided on settling with this engine because it would look perfect on Wii U. No. Like what the what the heck? And again, here so here's Big Red Buttons, uh, Bob Ruffay, uh, whose autograph I have over there. I met him. I shook his hand. I gave him the Segabits business card. He gave me his business card. I actually have his are card in here. I think they. I have. His Who has a better card. business I don't know card? Where I put it. Who has a better one? Us or the, or Is them? It? Oh, they, they have pretty nice ones. Oh, I'll have right. to find it. I actually do have uh, Sanzaro Games and Big Red Buttons business cards. There are some... <laughs> I love them. Um, but here he is speaking with Nintendo Enthusiast. And I want to play this a bit, a little bit of it. Yeah, what, what Because time? he doesn't talk to anyone. What do you mean? Yeah. The, the guy with the glasses or the other guy? Hello, everyone. Hey, oh, I'm here no. with uh, Bob Raffi from Big Red Buttons. Bob Raffi. Uh, Bob, could you tell us a bit about your game that's uh, coming out, uh, Sonic Boom? Sure. Sonic sure. Boom is a different take of uh, Sonic. Uh, different. It's a cooperative game uh, uh, designed to be played with as a single player with AI assist or cooperative with two people, mm. uh, most likely friends and family sitting together in a shared couch experience. So family game. Uh, with a dual display mm-hmm. with the uh, first the player being on the main monitor and the other second player being on the DRC monitor. So we wanted to have a classic character action adventure story uh, with uh, hmm. introduction of a new uh, super villain and everything we've done which we'll never uh, see again today supports that uh, <laughs> action adventure storyline in terms of the attire the the silhouette changes for the characters and the world construction and all those things now uh, wait wait I just want to stop it right here real quick he said all those things. That sounds like me when I'm doing like a seventh grade presentation. And I didn't do anything. And I'm like, well, there was pirates and there was treasure. And then there was a guy named Blackbeard and all these other things. Right? <laughs> as well as uh, the adventure yeah. mode, we're seeing a lot of similar uh, Sonic themes you were showing off earlier, uh, boss levels, and also those speed levels. Right. Now, how important was that to include in the, in the new game? Wow. Uh, it was very important levels. to include that because... Uh, was it important? Working closely with uh, Sega and the Sonic team, it was important for us to uh, stay true to the spirit of the, the DNA of, of what makes a great Sonic game. So mm. we tried a lot of wacky ideas, uh, and uh, Sonic Team was great wacky. to to we're very open minded to look and at they, some of those crazy ideas. Them. And some of the the other crazy ideas that were too much, they would reel us back in. So they were very instrumental in helping us Pretty find much. Uh, the guardrails in terms of what makes the Sonic game and what no longer becomes Sonic in, in spirit and, and, and his and, and the DNA of the character. So uh, what do you think about that though? Like 
telling a developer who's doing its own Sonic thing that like, oh no, you have to reel it back and it has to have speed sections and take away exploration. Do you think that's a bad thing? Like, especially if you're doing your own idea behind it, you know? It's like... I do because at that point, Sonic Team's telling them, no, this doesn't look like a Sonic t- Sonic game. Make a Sonic game. And it's like, why don't you make a Sonic game? Why are you even hiring us? <laughs> that's know? what I'm saying. It's like... You should have just let them fail. Like, let them do their own take. Even if it's exactly like Ratchet and Clank or its own version of Ratchet and Clank. I don't. As long as Sonic Team was making their version of Sonic that's like speed, rails, speed bumps, and all that, I think it would have been fine. I, I This this was controversial, though, people talking about that, but I'll, I'll play the rest of it. What you see today is that collaboration in terms of wanting to make uh, Knuckles a bit bigger to show that... He has Big. that, uh, he is the power guy. He is the guy who can take out enemies with a few punches that we saw, we saw Even though those, this wasn't and their he has, idea, uh, right? now, so he can be more expressive. Part of that personality, <laughs> that expression was important for us because uh, the other three characters have to stand out on their own as well. It was really important for us to make a cooperative game where Sonic is the guy, he is the man, he's got the, the name on the... On he's the, a hedgehog, the not a man, uh, dude. It was important for us to make sure that the other three characters were just as compelling. And, uh, Are they? When Big Brother is running to the controller and he picks up Sonic, Little Brother shouldn't get uh, upset because now he's got three other very compelling characters to choose from. So Have you ever been upset for not picking Sonic? The, the characters just as strong, Never. just in the limelight alongside Sonic. Okay. Now we know that also that uh, Sonic Boom made the headlines a few months ago when we found out CryEngine was actually being used to develop this game. Can you tell us a bit about uh, the decisions that went behind using the CryEngine? Was there a this is all BS, why, right? Uh, you needed that engine, or let's see, prefer that one over another. Um, BRB was founded by myself and Jeff Lander, the, the tech lead of the, the project. Uh, our goal has been uh, content creation, and when we saw that there is viable technology solutions out there, uh, and it's a, a, a lot riskier to roll your own technology, we adopted the CryEngine for other projects that we've been doing. And when uh, okay. Sega came to us, we showed them what you can do with the CryEngine. Why not Unreal, though? And there's a lot of things that we've done with the engine to make it uh, suited for this kind of a game. As you know, the, the engine is not necessarily something you think about in terms of a character platformer, but with our pedigree and with our background, our we pedigree. were able to it for what we needed. Okay, now using the CryEngine and developing for the Wii U, did you run into any challenges that were maybe unexpected? Probably uh, not. Can you tell us a bit about challenges that were overcome? Sure. I mean, uh, the, the CryEngine itself was something that was not necessarily designed to be on the Wii U. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a, a really interesting process for us. But, uh, <laughs> we really optimized it for what we needed it to be. Uh, it's well suited to be a PC engine, and that's what was the, the problem. So uh, what we did was, so one of the things that was uh, really key to what we needed to do was a dual display. Oh no. We didn't want to have a, uh, a split screen, um, and CryEngine itself was not designed at all to be doing split screen or dual display. <laughs> this sounds terrible. So in order to have that uh, character adventure story uh, and experience, we didn't want to limit uh, how far you can go and the camera setups as well. So the, the Wii U was really instrumental for us to have the DRC display to be the second display. Wow. Before. This interview is literally over after this. There's a lot of elements in here. I mean, Let me see how he ends it. That's it? Five minutes? Man, if I was there so, and I waited in line, I'd be like, I have 20 more questions. Let's go to see how far I could uh, stretch it. But yeah. what's, what's very interesting, though, there is that he... You know, he never says it was like an achievement or it was meant for Wii U. Like, it seems very clear that he's like, it was very interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, in the back of his head, he's like, it was it was a mess. It was hell. I did not like it. It was not made for Wii U. 
I hate Nintendo. Go away. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it's inter- it's interesting. I like when he's all with our pedigree. Very like uh, right. business. Like we fucked up. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna have to sell you on this, so I'm gonna have to use very specific wordage here. Like it's pretty funny, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's finally, finally. This is this is a a long show, so let's get through the game's playable characters. So we've got some photos here of Sonic. These are very interesting. So if you look at these screenshots here, mm. um, this is an in-game shot of Sonic with the tan line running down his arms and the um, the uh, palms. You see that? Isn't that interesting? In which of the images? You have... Look at that. Okay, see through 17. All right. Okay. Yeah, 16. I got... You see that? Yeah, I do. I think I do. They have one with, like, no fingerless glove like if the, the you, which are you talking about there's a concept it's the, art, right it's number 16 okay number 16 it's actually a um got you in-game right uh, an in-game model yeah yeah it has like a weird yeah. fur effect too on this stomach which is more like to the movie mm-hmm. like yeah yeah it's weird yeah it's kind of strange i think that's interesting um, and then number uh, the next one here is just it's just kind of like I think closer to how he ended up looking in the game, mm. still kind of early. Um, and so yeah, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, we know him, we love him. Um, there isn't too much to say about him. I mean, we've been talking about him for the past hour here, but they don't uh, change but him during. I was gonna say they don't change him up like attitude wise, his idea wise. He still loves adventure. He's still the same character, but he's got a scarf and duct tape now, right? Right, exactly. And um, you know, they went through a really long process, but it looks like the scarf was really the thing that kind of carried over. They say it was because it paid homage to classic adventure themes. Um, and action-adventure tropes. Uh, according to Bob Raffae, uh, Sonic's scarf is partially based on Nathan Drake's scarf in Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. The sports tape that he and his friends are wearing are inspired by fighters and American football players and is meant to give him a sense of practical heroism by showing that he is not vain, which is a trait more fitting for villains. Uh, interesting stuff there, Bob. Uh, next up, we have Tails, and he's got a cute little wrench. And yeah, Tails, you know, he was really being sold as the gadget guy. Um, he had a belt added to him to show his gadgets, his aviator gal- goggles to enforce that he was the team's pilot. The sports tape, again, you know, going along with that fighters and American football approach. I personally... So, yeah, it's... I personally like Tails' look on this. I thought I think it's the best one. Because of the gadgets, like I said, it makes sense for his character. So, he's he's my number one uh, one that I... Because he looks literally like classic, like Sonic Adventure uh, Tails, literally. Like, even the proportions. He just has the right. goggles and the wrench and the backpack thing. But what's what's really interesting, and we'll go through all the characters here, is that again and again the the design concept was how do we show the characters' personality traits physically? Yeah. Like we know playing the Sonic games that Tails flies a biplane, and he's an inventor. But if you don't know Tails and you just look at like a Tails render from the modern or even classic games, you would not get that at all mm-hmm. until you see him inventing something. And so. 
I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it, it definitely makes the characters more accept, uh, accessible to people who don't know anything about Sonic. But I don't know how necessary it is to show physically that Knuckles Knuckles is strong because he's big. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and they kind of do that in the Sonic movie coming out soon where Knuckles is a little bigger, but he's not as buff no. as he is here. And, you know, talking about Knuckles, again, he, he's larger, he's more muscular. Again, this is to emphasize his strength. He's the strong guy of the team. Uh, his gliding ability is completely absent. However, he does uh, does climb and he does dig. However, well, we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, his designs were with boxing gloves, you know, in the original. Yeah. And here he needed to... I think especially with animation, he needed to gesture and point at things, and so it made little sense to have a character with mittens all the time. Yeah. So I, I get that, the fingers. That makes sense. Um, I don't really like the idea that they made him so tall and so much bigger. I get why they did it, yeah. but they could have done like a little more buff uh, and shorter, but he's literally like the tallest character. Like In every art, he's he's towering over everyone, but yeah. Yeah, and then with Amy here, she was a pretty big change, too. Um, the idea with her design change was to make her a more capable character, and they wanted to emphasize her agile and graceful, uh, I guess, abilities. I almost think she looks like a like a trapeze performer, like a circus performer, mm. kind of. I do... Um, I do like some stuff of it, but, like, she always has these, like, dreamy eyes in, in Boom. I don't know why they had to do it. Like, they're trying to make her capable, but she always looks like she's about to fall in love with you. When it should be, like, if she's right. capable, she should have, like, a determined face or something like that, you know? That's my only issue with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, I I, I think Amy's design... I actually prefer it to her adventure look, which I think the red dress is getting a little old now. Yeah. I'd honestly appreciate if they gave her a redesign something more in the modern something games. Something more modest, yeah. I guess. Like, it's just a weird yeah, well, dress. <laughs> it's like... It's just a weird design. It almost feels like they were like, this is the the graphic limitations of the Dreamcast, so let's go with this. Yeah. You know, like, the 2-2 is too difficult to render, so let's just give her a basic red and white Santa dress. Pretty you know? much, yeah. Um, and uh, Amy did actually have a scarf for a while, similar to Sonic's, but they removed it. It was uh, going to be a purple scarf. And then, uh, who, who do we got here next? Now we're going to be talking about, ooh boy, this is a good one. So, um, Eggman. Eggman is a probably the most drastic change of all the characters. They gave him a big barrel chest. Yep. They put him in a like almost a flight uniform. They went with a very formal military kind of look for him uh, to emphasize his vanity and his concern for his own uh, appearances, which I honestly... Okay, I'll say... Uh, oh. uh, Boom Eggman is probably my favorite thing of Sonic Boom, and I actually prefer this design to modern Eggman yeah. as he is right now. I agree. I really like I, it too. I, I really like it. I like the little billowy pants. I, I just think it's funny to have him so top heavy and yet he can still stand up. Like, I've heard people say, "Oh, he doesn't look like an egg." He is. He's an egg, but upside down. Yeah, and you know? um, I like um, the contrast of the yellow, the way it's been pinting with the white stripe. 
it kind of gives me an old superhero like uh, Captain, uh, what is it, Shazam? You know, like the old classic Shazam. <laughs> there's this one outfit where he has the same yeah. idea with the cape and stuff, with the yellow and red, the way they mix around with it. I like it. Uh, and this outfit kind of, they had one where Jim Carrey was wearing like a like a pilot one, right? Like Almost like this, with the goggles. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, when you look at this design, it's actually much closer to classic Eggman than modern Eggman is because it's just, it's very basic. It's red. It's got the, the yellow flap, but instead of being up here by his neck, it's like on his chest there, mm. and he's got the little yellow wrist things, the gray pants. I... I, I honestly, if they were like, we're going to do a, um, you know, multiverse crossover event where modern Eggman's going to be replaced with Boom Eggman, I wouldn't, I'd be happy with it. I actually really like him. What do you think about, like, um, an idea, like, you know, there was rumors that when they announced uh, Sonic Forces that they, one of them was going to be Sonic Boom, the idea behind it, right, that mm. they, he was going to pop out or whatever, but we actually got the, uh, we actually got Sonic avatar or whatever that was you know where you made your own character oh yeah but yeah, yeah. there's a lot of rumors like i would love to have three eggmans the silent eggman <laughs> uh the modern whatever legacy eggman and then this one and this guy is like way more talkative way more joking back and forth yeah yeah that would have been great you saw that on our twitter that image i did of all the eggman action yeah. figures that kind of blew up yeah i like you know it. and and with um uh, Spider-Man No Way Home people love the villain scenes where they're all you know together working together yeah. and against each other yeah yeah um, I don't have photos of them but you can just picture them in their head they're pretty close to their video game counterparts I put it Shadow I put it and... on, the, on the wiki on screen so they can see oh it. okay cool yeah yeah so Shadow and Metal Sonic they actually are both in the games they're also both in the TV show though you know, as far as Shadow, they don't mention any of his backstory. No. Um, that's what I find really interesting about Sonic Boom in general is that they don't play up any of Knuckles being the guardian of the Master Emerald. Though they do say in one of the cartoon shows that he, or episodes, that he is the last of his kind. Um but there's no Master Emerald he's guarding. There's no Angel Island. Just like with uh, Shadow, there's no Maria. There's no Gerald Robotnik. And in the um, game, he's there... just standing around, right? Like, in this game, he literally is just, like, looking at Sonic Run. And he has his hands crossed over his chest, looking really dark and sinister. Right. He just kind of exists. Yeah. And he is like, I'm the ultimate life form. <laughs> but there's no, there's no reason for exi his existing. And also a weird little fun fact is... Uh, to my knowledge, the Eggman in Sonic Boom is the only Eggman to exist with zero Robotnik anything tied to it. Mm. You know, like there's no no localization calls him Robotnik. Nothing in there says, oh, his real name is Robotnik. I mean, the movies, he's Eggman and Robotnik. In the games, he's Eggman and Robotnik. But in this, yeah, he's, you know, he's just Eggman. This is the purest Eggman you will ever find and and is Sonic Boom Eggman. What do you think about the idea that like even though Shadow was in this Sonic Boom game, people were like yeah. super excited for his debut in uh, the Sonic TV show. Like they were pretending that this never happened. Like oh, this is the first time we're seeing Shadow in Boom. Remember that? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, because I have the Fire and Ice um, uh, game here, and the original releases actually came with. 
a DVD. I have it here, which is uh, DVD includes TV episodes featuring Shadow and Metal Sonic, and it has their debut episodes in a uh, three pack or three episode DVD here. So it was a to them a huge marketable deal to have Shadow and Metal Sonic, and I think the reason is is that Sega can be so picky with what they allow these third parties to do that it was a big deal for them to get those characters. You know. Yeah, also, what do you think about um, his redesign having like like Street Fighter or like Mortal Kombat karate gloves and like uh, like that's what it looks like like the those like Taekwondo boxing gloves you know for karate where they're not really a glove they're more like you still have your fingers <laughs> on there right they're just supposed to stop your knuckles I guess I don't know it's weird knuckles 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 exactly. you're talking about knuckles um, uh, finally here we have well not finally I guess we have lyric never heard the of last him. ancient uh, yeah he's the antagonist at least for the first two video games. He is the last of a benevolent race called the Ancients who went mad with power and turned on his peers to create a world of twisted metal and robots using the power of his people's crystals. And these crystals are basically the Chaos Emeralds Mm. of Sonic Boom. Um, He was imprisoned and then centuries later he was freed and resumed his plans but was defeated by Sonic the Hedgehog. And Lyric is really... What's I was going to say, what do you think about his design, like, as a snake? Like, this is the first time we had a snake character in a Sonic game? Or am I... Has there ever been a snake-type character like this? No, I I don't think there has. I think it's interesting that he has, like, these robot appendages. I think it's interesting that, despite them doing a fantastic redesign of Eggman, they really made Lyric the main villain, which, again, is why I think the... Um, Sonic Boom TV series here is superior because it puts a lot more emphasis on uh, Eggman instead of Lyric. Agreed. Um, Now, the idea behind Lyric was that it was a main villain involved. They they looked at many creatures. They looked at an owl. They looked like a a robotic owl. But they decided that the snake design really fit. he parallels like the Garden of Eden, where the evil snake is there telling Adam, you know, and Eve to eat apples or something. Um, yeah, so you know, it's it's an interesting design, but not a very interesting character in my opinion. Yeah, kind of it looks um, like a Disney villain, you know, like Jafar mixed with a snake uh, in a <laughs> robot suit. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, and he. And the concept of the Ancients, again, that goes way back to the Sonic Origins pitch. And the Ancients were a group that appears in uh, Sonic Boom. They were a long-lost, highly advanced race and civilization who devoted themselves to peacefully controlling the world's resources. Um, But they were betrayed by Lyric. And over the following centuries, the Ancients would go nearly extinct with the exception of Lyric, and in modern times, much of what remains of the ancients include their ruins and abandoned creatures that lie scattered around the world. So, I don't know, it's kind of like a Breath of the Wild sort of situation, Um, but you can see that in the Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric game and kind of in the TV series where it seems like there's a history to the world they live in that's largely been forgotten. Uh, The ancients, though, were basically different animal creatures wearing hoods. Mm. Uh, There's actually a pretty cool prequel comic that exists on the um, 3DS Shattered Crystal game that dives into it a little more. But, I mean, you could dive into the whole ancients lore, but it pretty much comes down to it was an advanced race that died out. 
you know, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty much, much it. Yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing more than that. No, no. And, and again, you know, talking about the Sonic movie, that's pretty much what they've been building off of now with um, owls here, again, an owl. Um, but it's Longclaw, and there's the Echidna race. So, you know, it's always been something that's existing in Sonic. Um I don't know. I don't know how well they executed it. I don't I don't think the TV series cared all that much about it because they really dropped the whole concept and uh Lyric was never in the TV show. Someone who was in the TV show though is Styx the Badger. Ooh. And uh yeah, she is a wacky jungle badger. She is the only descendant of Jebediah Badger. <laughs> oh yes, the <laughs> legendary to the the legend yeah 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 and she's basically like a wilderness wild girl who grew up in the woods and she's like the new friend to all of them um interestingly enough so you know the background information on sticks doesn't come from big red button obviously they didn't create her it was really um you know bill freiberger who worked on the sonic boom show said the the impetus for creating sticks was to deliver um, his message and represent his point of view and belief system. I don't know. So <laughs> conspiracy theories. I, I guess isn't that what she yeah, was? So he says. Well, the reason why Sticks will say something of absurd only to be proven correct in the end, um, in Freiberger's opinion, Sticks brings a healthy dose of cynicism to the series to counter the heroism of her friend. So I think. What Bill was trying to say is Styx is kind of his voice and kind of like the outsider's voice going in there and like questioning mm. the ridiculousness of Sonic and his friends and, and Eggman and really kind of to break the fourth wall. And um, speaking of breaking the fourth wall, so there was a comic series, the first seven issues I have here, and then they did a crossover with Mega Man called Word, Worlds oh, Unite, yeah. which was their second crossover. Three issues actually were devoted in the Sonic Boom one to the crossover, and Styx was the only character to go into the basically video game world and meet Mega Man and stuff. And when she came back, people were like, Styx is crazy. We don't believe her. <laughs> she's she's um, such a good character. Which is actually really funny. She's, I, I, but it's funny because Boom Sonic never met uh, Archie Sonic. He never went into the crossover, so people were kind of disappointed by that. But you know what? Uh-huh. I actually kind of do like uh, bat, uh, Sticks to being kind of like the fourth wall breaking, uh, crazy kind of like Harley Quinn type character that's like outdo- outdoorsy. Like, there's something weird about yeah. like uh, Harley Quinn where she has that abusive relationship where you're like, I don't really want my daughter to be watching this. Uh, but there's so, something funny about how she breaks the fourth wall the same way too. So Styx seems like a really right. good uh, character like that. It's very silly, you know. So I like it. And it's interesting because Styx was created by the TV series, so she doesn't have a gameplay... Um, uh, I, I guess, like, you think of Big the Cat. Why was Big the Cat Fish. created? They wanted to do a fishing mini game. But why was Styx created? Well, it was for a narrative sense and a storytelling sense... And then Sanzaro Games was really the people who were like, well, let's put sticks in the game. Uh, we'll use this boomerang, and that'll be that's her weapon on the show, so we'll use that as a gimmick. Um, it's just it's interesting how Sticks is the only really main character to come about from the TV show and then work backwards into how do we gamify her. Mm. And in Rise of Lyric, she's just an NPC. She just kind of is standing there. 
nothing interesting about her. Um, it's a shame because I actually think she's a pretty interesting character. Please. She was voiced by Nika Futterman, who played Asajj Ventress on Star Wars The Clone Wars, oh. who is a completely different character. Yeah. She's like, the Jedi, <laughs> we must kill them, you know. Yeah. And she's elusive, too. I, I've tried to got, get interviews Nothing. with her, but I can't. I'm going to Star Wars Celebration, so maybe I'll, I'll track her down and get... Do you, you talk about sticks with me? <laughs> All right. And as we uh, close out, we're going to go through the plot, talk a little bit about the gameplay. Um, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy are pursuing Eggman until they encounter an ancient tomb with carvings of Sonic and Tails on the entrance. Sonic is stopped twice by Amy by opening the door... But Metal Sonic ambushes the group. Sonic opens the door, and the group escape. And inside, they encounter an imprisoned but powerful snake named Lyric the Ancient. Lyric actually recognizes Sonic from events that have not yet transpired in the game, but transpired thousands of years ago. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, But Tails deactivates and shackles and turns them into beams called inner beams for the group to use. So this is the... uh, the debut of those uh, whips they have. That's where that oh, came yeah. from. Uh, they meet the character Cliff, who's the guy that Azuka said cannot be an inventor. And uh, they discover that Lyric actually planned to power an army of war robots with the Chaos Crystals to create a world of twisted metal and robots, but was imprisoned by the Ancients when they discovered his plan. Um at an abandoned research facility, they meet M-A-I-A, a robot who rebelled against Lyric, who assists them by creating a portal, allowing Sonic and Tails to go 1,000 years back in time to retrieve a map showing the location of the crystals. Sonic and Tails are attacked by Shadow, but they defeat him, enter the portal, and successfully retrieve the map from inside Lyric's facility and trap him inside for future imprisonment by the Ancients. Lyric... <laughs> It's it's I mean it's kind of confusing. Lyric <laughs> yeah. reluctantly forms an alliance with Eggman, but after no success, Lyric turns on Eggman by programming Metal Sonic against him. So Lyric has this ability, just like the um, the Zeddy in Sonic Lost World, mm. to control uh, uh, machines. Just you know, just to control them magically, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the group defeat Metal and Eggman and retrieve the final Chaos Crystal, but they are surrounded by Lyric and eventually give the crystals up. Mm. Um, then Sonic is buried under rubble and I guess presumed dead, but then they, they rescue him. And as he's recovering, the group set out to Lyric's lair to stop him. And I think this is where the airplane sequence would have taken place, but they just kind of appear there. There is a final battle where Lyric reprograms the inner beams to ensnare the group, but before he can take advantage of the situation, Eggman appears, saving them all from Lyric. They they get the uh, crystals, they destroy Lyric, and then after the credits, Eggman recovers the device that Lyric was using to remotely control whatever technology and uses it to revive Metal Sonic, and he puts it on his wrist. And that's what he has uh, throughout the rest of the series, basically. So, yeah, that that's the plot. Um, yeah. As someone, as someone who's read all the comics, seen some of the show, and played the 3DS games, coming out of it, really, Rise of Lyric as an origin story 
and as like a prequel, the only thing it really develops that sticks through the rest of the series are the inner beams and the thing Eggman has on his wrist. However, Eggman's little wrist thingy is never really utilized in any of the other materials. It's just kind of like used as a communication device. Mm. Stuff like that. So, I mean... Lyric never came back. The uh, idea behind ta- time traveling definitely didn't come back. Um, so Lyric thing- came back and shattered Crystal, but he is not a boss, really. And he he's... He kidnaps Amy, but they don't recognize him, so it's almost like Sanzaru didn't really know what Big Red Button were up to <laughs> with yeah. Lyric, basically. And yeah. what's your idea on the name Lyric? Like, Lyric? Like a song Lyric? Okay. Um, I, I will say that he's basically just a new version of Eggman in a way, since he controls robots. He's trying to, like, do this ancient robot race. Also, like, a thousand years, you'd think that technology would get a lot better, but I guess not. Right. Um, Just kind of a weird story that, in my opinion, has almost nothing to do with the Boom universe or the tone of the universe. Like, there is no, like, serious adventure vibes in Sonic Boom. No, Lyric's not funny at all. There's nothing humorous about him. He's just, like, your your typical angry, evil villain. There's no Mm -hmm. nothing memorable about him outside of maybe his design. Uh, you know, we've been talking about, we've known of Rise of Lyric since 2014, but when you really look at the title, it's a weird title, like Rise of Lyric. If you don't know Lyric's a name, you're like, like a song? Is this like a music game? And then Rise of Lyric, well, he's defeated and he never comes back for the rest of the series. So it's almost like the rise and defeat of Lyric. Whereas you take Shattered Crystal, that's a good title. Fire and Ice, that's a good title. But... It's kind of like... A, it's a weird name, weird title, you know. It's like Avengers, uh, like the, what is it, the Age of Ultron, but it was like a weekend. So it was like, that doesn't really fit there, you know? Um, the same thing right. with Rise of Lyric here. Like, I also don't think that, like, the robot designs I didn't really like. They never brought those back in the game. One of the things I really did like about uh, the cartoon show was that they had more of the villagers. Like, they had their own designs that were really unique. Like, they had their own animals just running around. They didn't really utilize that here. Could have been more of of that. So there's obviously a big disconnect. The Yeah, you're right. Right. The enemy designs are largely these ancient robots, and it really sticks to this, like, uh, Mike Wazowski, like, uh, one eye, one big eye aesthetic. Um, Whereas, in the... um, in the comics and in the cartoons, Eggman has his own robots, but they don't appear in the games. Um, however, the robots in Rise of Lyric also appear in Shattered Crystal, but I don't think they appear in Fire and Ice, to my knowledge. It's like different designs, but um, yeah, it's it's just it's not a it's not a memorable plot. It's almost I almost feel like I'm talking about Sonic 06, which is also a really confusing plot where you're like. Sonic actually died at the beginning, and then he went back in time, and then they did this, and then this, and that, and you're just like, yeah. what? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, these are kids supposed to be playing these games, or who's what's going on here? Like, obviously, that's the weird part about it. I think that the tone is what made the game, like, it could have probably worked having a snake villain, but you have to make him funny to be like Sonic Boom. Right, that's and, my only... and I'd say the, the most memorable part of the story are more like the funny character moments, which were added later when the TV show became the uh, kind of like the main focus. Um, I was playing Shattered Crystal 
the other day, and there was a funny moment where it was like, uh, "Let me." Knuckles goes, "Let me punch this." You know, they don't call me Knuckles for nothing. And then Tails is like, "But wouldn't they? Wouldn't a better name be Smashles?" And he's like, "Oh, you're right. My name should be Smashles." And then later, Knuckle Tails calls Knuckles Smashles again, and I was like, "That was kind of funny." I don't know. Um, yeah, I like those kind uh, of moments. very yeah. very quick note. Uh, the music in the game is done by Richard Jock, who did the music Ooh. for Sonic R. Um, he also did some music for Jet Set Radio, and he also did music for the other two Sonic Boom games. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the soundtrack? Do you remember any of the soundtrack? No, I, I don't. And I never heard anyone talking about the soundtrack. It's funny because uh, Jock was also like, uh, did remixes to some of my favorite like Outrun 2 tracks. So like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird thing that he kind of like, he was working with Sega a lot in the mid 2000s. So it was kind of weird that he kind of fell off in the last like 15 years or 10 years uh, from working with Sega. So <laughs> this is probably like a rare treat for older fans that like his music. I personally on this game I didn't notice any track that was like super memorable. If I remember correctly, there was a few tracks that were reused a lot throughout the game. It might be this right. One. So yeah, it yeah go on. It, it's kind of like just typical adventure music. Mm-hmm. It fits the game, but nothing really stands out. Now in Shattered Crystal, there are some where you're like, oh, this is more Sonicy. It's got like a like a you know housey kind of vibe to it but yeah it's it's not a bad soundtrack he's done music before like i think headhunter he did yes yes, and that again is not super memorable but it suits the game like in this one like what's the sonic boom theme like dun 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 you know like cool okay um Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric, of course, it's been dissected and analyzed by Sonic fans for years. Heck, this podcast is feeling like it's going on for years. Yeah, that's true. Um, but when it comes down to it, the game is pretty much your basic licensed action platformer with multiple characters to switch between. Really, to, in my opinion, and my opinion is fact, Rise of Lyric, it's really no different from like the Simpsons game or a watered-down Jack and Daxter, which director Bob Ruffay worked on uh compared to sonic games rise of lyric emphasizes exploration and combat giving each character their own unique moves and skills to navigate stages however these skills almost always work in only certain situations using clearly marked objects so like knuckles can't climb or dig just anywhere tails can't fly anywhere um, as an example there, each character has an inner beam, which is a whip-like weapon, which allows them to grab onto things and hang from rails. Um, I mean, w- what's your take on the gameplay? Am I wrong here? Like, it's just, I people mean, are looking too much into it, I think. Um, personally, I thought it was cool to have, like, a more, mo- like, this is more like a Banjo-Kazooie type plat- platformer or like right. a, uh, like you said, Jack and Dexter, where, like, it's more Americanized in gameplay and the idea behind it, where it's just, like, I actually kind of liked the idea they were going behind because, like, like you said, we already have a modern Sonic game. This is a totally side thing. You don't have to play it. So letting them do their own thing, I would have been okay with, even if it is more like climbing and basically being a Jack and Dexter kind of game. Because Sonic is right. very unique compared to those games. Like Sonic is about going fast, and it's okay if they didn't go fast in this game. But a lot of people didn't like that. <laughs> it's so it's interesting because like. Old school fans wanted it to be sort of like a, a fast 
game again. But to me, it's right. like I, I already played that though. Like it's okay to be different, in my opinion. But I don't know. What do you think? I just I just think that people are looking too much into it. Like when they look at Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric, they're like, oh, this is totally... So basically what I think the developer was doing was they were looking at Sonic Adventure, expanding on that. It really feels no. like Sonic Heroes. Yada, yada. And I'm like, no, you are looking at all of these very basic licensed platformer things that just happen to also exist in Sonic games. Yeah. And... Whereas, and we had an interview with Sanzaro Games, when we talked to them, and I was very impressed with what they were telling us, because I was like, I was like, well, what games did you look to for inspiration? And without even giving him like a hint, he was like, oh, Tales Adventures for the Game Gear and Knuckles Chaotix. And I was like, yeah, I absolutely got that from the game. Now, Tales Adventures and Knuckles Chaotix are not the greatest top-tier Sonic games, but... I at least have to give Sanzaro Games credit for taking elements that existed within the Sonic and expanding on them and making it their own game. Whereas here, I never got the sense that Big Red Button were saying, what makes Sonic work? What makes Sonic unique? Let's make it into our action-adventure game. Like, case in point, Sonic's, like, I guess you call it, like, his pinball physics or his rolling ball physics do not exist here. There's no momentum-based platforming. Um... Sonic can roll into a ball, but only at specific places that can really benefit him from shooting upward. But it's just like, there is no Sonic physics involved. It's just it's just a combat-based platformer. Yeah, um, I think the things you know, they, did, they did add that were Sonic-ish were forced by Sonic Team, like you said in the notes. And you could totally tell mm-hmm. when you play the game, like the... Little on rail running sections are so like, like badly done that it's like they shouldn't right. even, like they shouldn't have been in the game. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's like they're trying to cop like they added them last minute, and they could have just right. like, stuck with what they were working on in that at, at that point, in my opinion. But right, exactly. And for me, the highlight of the game is probably like the main map where you can just run around and explore, talk to characters, um, do a little bit light. Might have you know what's that. Or, which uh, oh, Frontier might yeah. have more of, you know? So mm-hmm. to be Exactly, exactly. And and so I would say, like, I am a huge fan of Sonic Adventure and Unleashed's, like, uh, hub worlds. I, I, so I really like this aspect to Rise of Lyric, if I'm looking at any positives. Um, Sonic Frontiers, like you mentioned, it promises to basically be all open world exploration. What, what, what was your takeaway from, like, the main map? in Rise of Lyric. Do you agree with me there? Like, it yeah. was probably one of the better yeah. parts. Yeah, because it, it kind of felt like... I, I, I mean, if they went all the way in and they had maybe a year more of, like, adding the actual characters from the show, it would have been really cool to, like, go through the beach area and do all this other stuff uh, and have all these, like, like a living world, I guess, of characters because mm-hmm. that's something that's always missing in Sonic games. Like, Sonic Adventure tried to do it right and so has Unleashed, I guess. But it's always right. been, like... Never that, like, they're animals. Like, that's pretty unique. So they could have... That would have been more interesting on that. But, yeah. The open world was the most interesting bit of it. And, you know, right. we'll get it again, hopefully. Absolutely, yeah. So there were, the, like, the adventure levels, too. Uh, there were boss fights. And then there were the speed levels, like we talked about. Now, I experienced the speed levels during the demo at New York. And it was janky. And I knew something was up. Um... It, you you use the inner beam, you grab onto a rail, 
and then the camera like goes crazy with you and you're like what am, am am i freely moving oh i kind of can move left and right this is weird oh i'm yeah. getting a spike oh i'm not falling oh i just lost some ring what the hell's going on you know like it's it's very badly implemented it's very clear that it happened late in the process um oh yeah yeah it's it's not good um it's probably the weakest part of the game and it's the most broken part of the game um for sure yeah yeah uh it it the game also takes a cue from shadow the hedgehog it has an assortment of weapons from a handgun like trumpet to a literal handgun that shoots fists and even water balloons uh did you did you try the weapons at all in this game uh, not I, I don't remember i did the review for it but i don't remember i do remember the like no, I don't remember using them. I mean, outside of like the like right now we're playing the uh, water map where you guys are in mm-hmm. this like weird ship. I do remember those little bits. They were like shoot 'em up levels, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's do you really think of gadgets when you think of a Sonic game? That's the thing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an element that was in the game, but they didn't really play it up all that much. They should have probably um, right. Right, exactly. And I mean, talking about my review of Shattered Crystal, when I kicked it off, I talked about a lot of this stuff that we're, we're covering. You know, I talked about the Simpsons game really coming to mind here. Um, I talked about how disconnected the game felt from all the elements, other elements of the series. I noted that Orbot and Cubot were not in Rise of Lyric. Oh, yeah. uh, just like a lot of things were missing in this and it just it it made no sense um i don't know and you know upon release of this game of course there were the various bugs frame rate issues things like that a patch actually released in january 2015 but it didn't really fix anything outside of the knuckles infinite jump glitch which i've never tried but i've watched videos of (laughs) it's pretty funny it's crazy yeah, there's uh, frame rate issues. It's said to have improved as well as lighting and shadows, but even then, the shadows don't look all that great. No. And I'm not talking about Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, Rise of Lyric infamously did not send review copies in advance. <gasps> um, and Sega and Big Red Button canceled a podcast, which we planned to record the week of release. Oh, yeah, we and did have you that. Actually, you actually... Yeah, the, I, it was basically... Um, going to be on a friday the game came out on a tuesday and then that wednesday sega was like hey uh bob can't make it and i'm like are we rescheduling oh you just can't make the podcast and it was like are we rescheduling like what's going on here it was the um, only time we ever had a canceled interview too like after sega tells you we're you're gonna do an interview at this time they, you, yeah. they usually come through but uh not with yeah. a big red button no no and and as i mentioned like Review copies didn't come in advance. I think you received it probably on release. I received yeah. Shattered Crystal. So back in the day, Sega would send them in the mail. Like physical which copies. Is, seems, yeah, which seems really funny nowadays, like with digital copies being the norm for reviews. Um, but you received a uh, like a sheet of paper, right, it's, that came with your review copy. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, it just gives you the introduction to it, which is the story, some of the highlights. Diverse character swapping is something they put they put on here in the review sheets. Um, yeah. Just telling you about the characters you could do, the exploration combat. It's very like what you play in the game. I 
I've never mm-hmm. gotten one of these, and I've done a lot of reviews before. I did Sonic uh, Boom, uh, Rise of Lyrics, so I'm assuming they really were trying to aim for like a child, like mom bloggers, like you said. Because like I never got one of these. It even has pictures on how do you use the Wii, uh, the Wii, the Wii screen, the Wii U screen, the second controller, and what how you use the map on it. So it, it's kind of right. weird. Yeah, I still have it. I found it the other day. I was like, I'll bring it up. But yeah, <laughs> and it was also uh, um, the same day that it came out. They sent the review copies, like you said. Yeah, it was such. It was so silly. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Everyone knows the game is crummy, but now I get to review it. Cool. Yeah. Um. And critics, they blasted the game for the various bugs and uh, frame rate issues on release. The one positive was a better-than-average local multiplayer mode, which is an aspect that hardly anyone talks about, but it was no. the one thing I remember trying when I got my copy and I brought it over to a friend's house and we played it, and I was like, oh, this is actually like good. This is fun. Which is interesting because this game way back in the original development, like we talked about, was a multiplayer party game. So it's really interesting that the multiplayer party aspect was um, pretty much what, uh, you know, made them, made it kind of playable. I have to wonder, though, if they outsourced some of the work for that, you know, as as is sometimes the case yeah. with multiplayer modes. Probably did. Um yeah, so check that out if you are looking to play the game. Try the multiplayer mode. Um, still, uh, it's it's a cool mode that most players skip over, but it's not enough to save a game that ended up being the lowest-reviewed Sonic game ever. Sales-wise, the game did not do well either. It sold a total of, and this is funny, 490,000 copies, <sighs> which is a figure including Shattered Crystal sales, so you know it was a lot lower if Sega was using a 3DS game to kind of sweeten the numbers, which is really yeah. funny. And how um, do you, that's like saying, yeah. How do you feel about that? Like Sonic, Sega of America really did put a lot of money, effort, rebranding, uh, hype behind mm-hmm. these games, and then they released to yeah. not even 1 million copies sold. It's pathetic. I mean, <laughs> Sonic Heroes sold an insane amount. Sonic 06 sold an insane amount. Yep. Um the game actually did see a Japanese release. It was retitled Sonic Toon Ancient Treasure, and we have the trailer here if you want to... Oh, yeah. We can check that out. We don't have to watch the whole thing. It's two minutes long, and it's a Japanese guy yelling at you. I love it. Wow. Sonic Toon! Sonic <laughs> Wow, they can't believe it. It's on Wii U. They're really showing, like, the speed stuff. Right? Yeah. Which is the weakest aspect. Yeah. Poor Japanese people, man. These guys really trying to sell it, though. Definitely. Oh, Tails? Knuckles? I wonder how... What Japanese players thought of this. Do you think there's a lot of Japanese players that are fanboys of this? Possibly. And I'll be... <laughs> Alright, let's pause it. <laughs> Alright, yeah. Alright, they're showing the inner bean a lot. Like, it's the next big thing, you know. Huge amount. Yeah. Um. So, as we close up this show, I, I do want to men- do one little bit here. So, Sonic the Hedgehog 2006 is often pointed 
at being the worst Sonic game ever, but Rise of Lyric also has its haters. So let's settle it right now. Which game is worse, Sonic 2006 or Rise of Lyric, and why? So you make your choice, I'll make my choice. All right, Sonic 2006, because it was supposed to be a reboot of the mainline mainline uh, Sonic games. It was developed by Sonic Team. The uh, loading's terrible. The uh, characters are terrible. The uh, look of the <laughs> generic NPCs are even more terrible than this. This game actually had mm-hmm. some level design that was like, even though it was like Ratchet and Clank or whatever, it was still a little interesting in a way. Um, it was a side game for a TV show, so it wasn't a bigger deal for me. Like you said, it was licensed like a Simpsons game. Like when we talk about the Simpsons game, we know they're they're not the greatest games. They're not top tier. But when you make a Sonic Team game and a new entry to Sonic the fr- the Sonic franchise, you expect it to be a little bit higher than uh, Rise of Lyrics. So that's why yeah. I think Sonic 2006 is worse. And it had terrible loading. did you mention the loading yeah yeah i 100 (laughs) percent agree with you sonic 2006 in my opinion is the worst game because as you mentioned it was a main series game from sonic team and the fact that they couldn't put out a great game the game that is in their title says so much more than big red button you know fumbling a game that you know to their credit was not meant to be on Wii U and they had to cut corners. Yeah. Um, I would also agree that Sonic 2006 was meant to be a reboot of the franchise. They had hoped to make Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. They wanted to keep these designs. They wanted this to be the new direction for Sonic. And anyone saying otherwise is, you know, lying. Like, Sonic Unleashed was basically a re-reboot. (laughs) which is so funny um whereas with rise of lyric you know like despite the terrible reception sonic boom as a brand kind of persevered so there was a comic book that um came out actually before it was the first thing to actually physically release to anyone so issue one came out before the game and the tv show uh it ran for 11 issues But what's funny is, and I have the issues here, issue one, two, three, they all say based on the hit video game and TV series. And then by issue, man, when did they drop it? They basically removed it from issue 11 where it just says based on the hit TV series. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So even they knew. So it's just, it's kind of interesting that even though the series kind of kicked off with this game that really became the worst aspect to it all the other aspects really did reasonably well and just decided to forget the video game um there was a toy line mm-hmm. that had some fun vehicles and figures it actually had a eggman uh, mobile which is like one of the only times it was made as a toy there was also a tails tornado uh sanzaru was able to release a second 3ds game called fire and ice which was demoed at sonic's 25th anniversary event yeah which basically allowed sonic boom to exist uh during the 25th anniversary and we got some marketing materials of three sonics which was pretty cool oh yeah Uh, the tv series that was cool i like that that's what i think got people thinking that forces was gonna be all three of them, which it wasn't. No, it wasn't, but Um, they were still promoting Boom at the time, for sure. Right, exactly. And then the TV series, it ran for two seasons, and it had a sizable fan base, even to this day. People share clips and, you know, joke about it. 
Um, we didn't talk about the voice actors at all, but the voice actors were largely uh, carried over from the games. I even think um, Colleen, who voiced Tails in this, probably had the biggest career after this just because she's in the movies next to, you know, Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and James Marsden on the you know on the titles up yeah, there. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and I also think Sonic Boom really did a lot to allow the Sonic voice actors to kind of love the series a little more. Because if you're thinking as a voice actor job, like you come in, you do a game, you leave, and it's just like a, a day or a week's worth of work. Whereas here, they really got to know the characters. They got to perform with the other actors, you know, behind microphone and. Who knows? Like, if Sonic Boom didn't happen, we might have had some voice actors leave the franchise because they just don't really have an interest in, you know, having their contract extended. I don't know. I mean, Roger Craig Smith, for example, has probably done more voice work as Sonic thanks to this series. Oh, yeah. Um, The brand itself uh, has lasted quite a long time. Um, Sonic Boom releasing new material went from November 2014 to November 2017. However, one could argue that the Sonic Boom brand officially ended this month in March 2022 if you count the final home video release of the Complete Series set. Because I think after this, we're not going to see any more Sonic Boom merchandise coming out. Mm. So what are your overall thoughts on the Sonic Boom brand? Um, What do you think it could have done better? And do you think... The three, or I guess you could argue seven and a half year lifespan, is enough for the franchise? Like, do you think it was a failure? uh, No, I think there was a lot of cool aspects about it, like a new way of seeing... uh, They kind of made Sonic and the voice actors show that they could do this new comedic kind of like jib-jabbing. They kind of felt like they were uh, doing, like, what do they call it? Improv? And Mm -hmm. it actually kind of worked a lot better than you would think. And I think they might be using that for the future because I know we're, we're getting new writers and stuff. I think they might take it to a new direction, maybe blend some of this comedic style. And I think boom yeah. will live in that aspect in the once, you know, the legacy Sonic, I guess let's call them. And, uh, Absolutely. by infusing all of it, I think Sega should also not be too, uh, scared of using alternative outfits in video games. That's one of my favorite things of like animes. You know how you have these like characters that always wear like Goku, the gi. And then all of a sudden you have this promo art where he's just dressed in this weird cap and he's riding a bike. I, I love that. I hope they do right. that with Sonic yeah. 4 in the future where you're going to like have him wearing a coat and or anything, you know, just separate. Um, I hope they – I like that. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. I'll have to think. I think they lasted just fine. I don't think we need – another sonic and we also have sonic prime coming up so that's going to be interesting to see if they take anything from sonic boom tv show like the comedy oh absolutely so yeah Yeah. what do you think to close it up um i i I think sonic boom i don't think it was a failure i think it ran its course i don't think they planned for it to go on and on and on i don't think we would have been seeing three four five seasons another five games like this is pretty much the lifespan of these sorts of things. Um, and I think Sega themselves were just moving into other territories. I don't think Sonic Boom would have existed alongside the Sonic movie, which was, you know, kind of in development as this was wrapping up, pretty much. So, all in all, you know, we're going to come back to Sonic Boom. We'll talk about the show, the 3DS games, the comic. 
But this is really like the big, big discussion of Sonic Boom. And I like it. You know, I like it for what it is. I love the TV show. I think the comics are cool. And I've actually really enjoyed playing Shattered Crystal again, going back into it and and revisiting that. Um, We have Patreon memories before we wrap things up. So if you support us on Patreon at any level, we will read your memories at the end. And on this episode, we have Daniel Andres who says, Oh my God, (laughs) all I have... For this game are unpleasant memories. I have never, ever bothered to own it, and I'm not sure that it will ever change or not. However, the only real memory of this game that I have is that I played its demo back in 2015, and yeah, it was pretty awful. Alas, like many pieces of art that don't come through as intended, I do feel bad for Sonic Boom as a franchise in general. It was never 100% my thing, but it's still a pretty big bummer that it's just gone now and that it ended the way it did. Oh well. Rest in peace, Sonic Boom, a.k.a. Sonic Synergy. Wow. And then we have... Yeah, he seems down. I was so happy. Look at this. Um, Bobbert Castaneda says, Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric is definitely one of the top five worst Sonic games in my opinion. (laughs) It may not be as broken as Sonic 06, but Sonic Boom is just boring and repetitive gameplay in big empty areas to explore. At least I had some fun with those six, even if I was laughing at it most of the time. So, divisive to say the least. Um, what should we do with this? Should we should we throw it across the room, or should we place it gracefully on the shelf and move on to our next episode of Sega Talk? We're gonna throw it away, but we'll move on to the next episode of Sega. I'll put Talk. it. I'll put it safely in the trash, in the garbage. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. Catch you guys next time when we talk about Sonic 3 and Knuckles, a double expanded episode with an add-on. Bye. Bye.